start with our meeting, a portfolio committee meeting that has just adjourned at half past one. We reconvene once more to continue with our NHI public hearings, and we have uh, a particular institution that we are going to invite now to speak to us. And if maybe Ms. Lindogutle, yes, we are happy to receive Iko Sasa. It's a Council for Health Service Accreditation of Southern Africa. We asked them if they could come 15 minutes earlier, and they did. I would like them to introduce themselves, and they start with the presentation, which is for 45 minutes. We'll then engage with their presentation thereafter. The opportunity now is afforded to uh, Koshasa. Thank you. Honorable uh, Chair, uh, honorable members, this is uh, Dr. Brad Byra speaking. I'm the chairperson of Kusasa, and on behalf of myself and my board and, and the, uh, the council, I thank you very much for including us and giving us the privilege to be part of today's agenda. I am aware that um, the uh, board members are um, logging in now as we speak, and you will um, have an opportunity to, to hear from them with a presentation led by our CEO, Jackie Stewart. And so thank you again very much for having us. We're very proud to be part of the fabric of quality healthcare and um, excellence of care within the um, South African context and, and on the South African and African continent. And it is with um, humility and great pleasure that I introduce you to Jackie Stewart, who is the CEO of Kusasa, who's been involved with the um, operations of the council for the last 15 years. Jackie, can I hand over to you? So I just had a slight connectivity problem, but uh, I think I'm back online now. So, Honourable Chair, with, with, without any delay, I'm going to hand you through to our CEO, Jackie Stewart. I'm pleased to see that she's back online. Uh, she has a presentation which uh, we shared with uh, all of the members of the Portfolio Committee of, of Health earlier today. Jackie, with, with your indulgence and your readiness, if you could um, share our discussion. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, Honourable Chairman and uh, Chair, Honourable Members of the Committee, uh, I echo the sentiments of my Chairperson to say thank you for giving us the privilege to present to you today. I'm just sharing my screen. That is now 
Right, I've got my screen shared. Thank you. And I hope you can hear me clearly. Sorry for the uh, small glitch in the internet. By way of uh, introduction, I'll just introduce um, who we are as an organization. Um, Council for Health Service Accreditation of Southern Africa is a not-for-profit organization based here in Cape Town. We are very proud currently to be the only internationally accredited African healthcare facility accreditation organization. We've been established since 1995, so we've been around for 26 years doing quality improvement and healthcare facility accreditation. We have been internationally recognized and accredited five times by the International Society for Quality and Healthcare External Evaluation Association, and our healthcare facility standards are also accredited by the ISCA EEA. Um, I, as the CEO of, of CASASA, was a board member of ISCA from 2017 through to 2020. I'm a member of the Accreditation Council of the organization and also an ISCO expert. And in 2019, I was elected to the International Academy of Quality and Safety in Healthcare. Um, our board members, uh, some of whom are with us today, um, you've met Dr. Brad Byer, our chairperson. Um, we're also joined by Dr. Ethelwyn Stellenberg, who is the Emeritus Associate Professor of Nursing in at the University of Stellenbosch, Department of Nursing and Midwifery. Um, Mr. Ntlantlanene, our Vice Chairperson, will be joining us, but he can only join at uh, 2.30. Unfortunately, he had a prior commitment that could not be moved. Now, other board members are Mrs. Sharon Slavitt, who was formerly the Executive Officer at the Hospital Association of South Africa. Professor Gert van Seyl, the Dean of the Faculty of Health Sciences at the University of Free State. Dr. Sibusi Suzuma, Senior Lecturer at the Department of Health Studies at UNISA, and both Dr. Zuma and Professor van Seyl have both got teaching commitments today that they can't, um, couldn't avoid. And Dr. Gilbert Buckle is an international member of our board. He's the Executive Director of the Africa Institute of Healthcare Quality, Safety and Accreditation in Ghana and I'm also hoping he will be able to join us. We just wanted to put out a statement of commitment in terms of where CASASA stands in um, relation to universal health coverage. We support that and believe that quality improvement and compliance with robust standards are the cornerstone to achieve universal health coverage. The Office of Health Standard Compliance has a mammoth task ahead of it, and the extent of the task, I think, has been indicated in its reports published, um, which showed the enormous gaps in quality of healthcare services um, through the lack of compliance with the regulatory standards across the public sector facilities, particularly weaknesses in leadership and management. We all need to appreciate that quality improvement is a lengthy process and we need patience if we want to achieve the desired outcomes. And it's necessary to keep monitoring constantly to maintain a safe quality environment for patient care. There needs to be a strong commitment to working together over an extended period of time because none of it will happen overnight. It all does take time. Quality improvement is founded on the values of excellent governance, leadership and management, and we cannot ignore those. You cannot do quality improvement if you don't have these, these strong things in place. 
and we prioritize and focus on these values in our internationally accredited standards. Our vision is to be the leading internationally recognized healthcare quality improvement and accreditation organization. And we would be very proud if that could be an African organization. And our mission is to assist healthcare facilities in developing countries particularly to develop and deliver high quality healthcare through sustained improvement using internationally recognized standards, patient safety principles and operational research. Our footprint in Africa has been growing over the years. We now have a significant presence in East Africa, mm -hmm. a growing presence in West Africa, and uh, a large presence in Southern Africa, predominantly in the Anglophone countries at this stage. Just thought it would be useful to give you a brief overview of the accreditation program, because a lot of people talk about accreditation as a quality assurance mechanism. And I strongly believe it does have a quality assurance angle, but it is a lot about quality improvement. And we use internationally accredited standards to achieve that improvement. We train the facility teams to not only understand the standards, but also to be able to carry out self-evaluation of their own services using the standards. We train them on quality improvement activities that can then be implemented to support compliance with the standards, and most importantly, to instill a culture of continuous improvement. It's not about a compliance mentality, it's about a culture of improvement. To encourage um, facilities that are starting from a low base, we developed a graded recognition program with three levels of recognition. There's a progress level, an entry level, and an intermediate level. And the purpose of this is to give people the incentive to keep moving forward, that it's not about passing or failing, it's about continuous improvement and gradually um, improving until you are at a point where you can achieve full accreditation. To do that, all services must score at least 80 out of a potential 100, these are weighted scores, and there must be no non-compliant critical criteria, which are criteria that usually reflect specifically safety and legal aspects that would preclude an organisation being accredited. We have um, public and private healthcare facilities in the programme. We cover the full range of healthcare facility from hospitals, primary healthcare clinics, hospice and palliative care services, environmental health services, and consulting rooms, um, including where sedation services are provided, which is a move to, to get patients out of hospital. A lot more procedures are now being carried out in consulting rooms. To date, 627 healthcare facilities in 11 countries have entered the program um, and some have been, um, those are the ones that have been through external evaluation. Some of them have entered multiple occasions. So we've had 873 awards conferred, of which 642 were full accreditation awards, 75 rec uh, graded recognition awards at intermediate level, 57 at entry level, and 99 at progress level. And some of those facilities will have gone on through those various levels of recognition to achieve full accreditation. I thought it would be useful to just show the honourable members um, the extent of the programme over the years in South Africa. Um, we had facilities in six of the nine provinces in the programme. Um, and as you can see, there was a large presence in the Eastern Cape and in the 
the Free State and KwaZulu-Natal particularly. In um, the Western Cape, it was the city of Cape Town facilities that were in the program. And we also had presence in Limpopo, Mpumalanga and Northwest Province, as well as Hospice and Palliative Care Association, which has had 50 of its, its services in the program and 129 private facilities. And you can see there in the third column, the, those that achieved full accreditation awards, um, the Free State had 31 um, accredita accreditation awards in different facilities, and all of their facilities achieved some kind of award in graded recognition. In KwaZulu-Natal, there were 19 awards conferred at full accreditation and 54 graded recognition awards. In Limpopo, there was one hospital accredited and 10 with graded recognition awards. In um, Northwest Province, they had 12 accreditations and 24 uh, graded recognition. And in, in both in Pumalanga and in the Eastern Cape, none of the hospitals achieved full accreditation, not because I don't think they had the potential to do so, but sadly the program was terminated before they had the chance to achieve that but they did get a significant number of graded recognition awards in both those provinces. All of the public sector facilities have now um, stopped the accreditation program. And this was for the most part because of the introduction of national core standards. Um, it was they, the provinces or the national department decided that they should only um, be implementing national core standards, not an accreditation program, which was very sad for us because I think they had done, they had, as you can see, done extremely well in the program. Currently, we have 56 private healthcare facilities in the program in South Africa. The current accreditation, we have um, 83 facilities that hold full accreditation awards from Gasasa, of which 65 are in South Africa. And these awards have been awarded to 16 clients in eight different countries, that being South Africa, Botswana, Lesotho, Kenya, Namibia, Nigeria, Rwanda, and Uganda. COVID-19 pandemic has been, as we all know, um, a situation none of us could have predicted, but we like to take some positives from it. And our learning from the pandemic has allowed us to develop hybrid external evaluation models and our complete remote survey model for evaluating facilities during the period of accreditation award. And these have been tested successfully, um, which means that in the hybrid model, we only need to send one person on site. In the completely remote model, we do all the assessment remotely um, with the client sending documentation through and then using Zoom or Teams to interview the clients. And if needs be to look at, they can take us around showing us um, on, the, on a Zoom, on a camera or on a, on a telephone. And that they say, I think it's important that uh, the pandemic is not just negative, that we have had learnings from it that have been hugely important in our development. We have also been able to put all of our training material uh, remotely and we have delivered training um, to hospitals in Uganda and in Nigeria remotely. Um, some hospitals have actually entered the program with only remote training. Um, so we're now monitoring that closely to see the progress that we make and that the hospitals make, that this um, could be a model for the future, which would reduce travel time and obviously would reduce cost. 
I'd now like to move on to some extracts from the public submission. We haven't covered all of them in this presentation, um, but just to go through some of the areas that we submitted, um, which we hope will be helpful in refining the bill ultimately. Um, in, in section seven, we, we picked out areas particularly relating to access to care. Um, the, the implication of this was that pay, uh, users having to register with multiple facility providers, and we felt that there must be an opportunity for having um, once-off registration um, for people to be able to register, particularly those with multiple, uh, with multiple diseases and non-communicable non diseases, to be able to have a profile with a unique identifier that would stop them having to do multiple registrations. And 7.2D2, um, the process around referral pathway development did not seem to be clear. And we wanted to clarify that most of the referral pathways would need to be specific to geographical areas. But indeed, there could be some generic referral pathways that related to different levels of care in the system, which would enable some consistency across the country. For example, moving from a primary health care facility to a district hospital um, for diabetic care would be an example of that. In 7.2D3, uh, the, the statement is that a user is not entitled to health services purchased by the fund if they fail to adhere to the referral pathways. And we felt that there was a need, each patient is individual and whilst for the most part, we would want everybody to follow strictly the, the specific referral guidelines. There should be a mechanism to safeguard patients that are transferred outside a pathway for a particular reason and offer some degree of choice between the patient and the, the, the referring doctor. Because I'm sure that most people would follow the referral pathways, but there are always exceptions to the rule. And could there be some mechanism to safeguard those exceptions? Continuing on access to care, in 7.2.F, um, this raised concern about the capacity of, um, of the National Department of Health to govern such geographically dispersed and disparate facilities um, and still considering population needs. And this is no criticism of the department, it is merely just the, the size of the task um, when you're trying to tailor services to meet population needs um, across such a huge geography and such a huge population. And we felt that it would be critical to put in place measures that could assure that the performance of these facilities was in no way compromised if there may be dual reporting to a national body and to a provincial body or a other local body. In section 7.4, um, it states that treatment would not be funded if there was no medical necessity, if there was no cost-effective information as determined by the health technology assessments, um, or if the treatment or product is not in the formulary. Again, we believe that this is, makes eminent sense in the general sense, but the need to be safeguards there to avoid patients being refused um, treatments or products purely on financial grounds. Um, we felt the health technology assessments need to be available for scrutiny to demonstrate that there are no, that they are objective and that there's no bias. 
and there needs to be an appeal mechanism to ensure that patients do have some recourse if uh, they and their doctor feel that the um, these treatments are are necessary or or the health technology assessment perhaps needs to be revised continue on access to care section 82 um, Again, this talks about the, the failure to comply with the referral pathways that the patient um, would need to pay for services directly by health insurance or out-of-pocket expenses. Um, we felt this needed some clarification as it appears to conflict with Section 33, which explains that only complementary services are covered by the NHI. In section 37, um, there was a query about, just checking you can still hear me because I know my internet's a little unstable. It's the weather, uh, unfortunately, here in Cape Town. Um, provincial hospitals be responsible for operating contracting units. Um, and again, this is more about clarification about what would be the role of the provincial departments in identifying priority services record, required at sub-district level and how would that will work between the provinces and the, and the fund. And 37.2b, again, it was about the contracting units for primary care. There was a description of the contracting unit of that it would be public and private providers. But a question related to the identifying accredited providers to the fund. Um, it, it seems that this would put the contracting unit into being both a purchaser and a provider, which we feel might be a conflict of interest. But also the fund would be the body we understood that would be accrediting primary care providers. And therefore, why would the local contracting unit be identifying them? So again, I think it's more about clarification um, of the role of these contracting units, which we believe should be clearly um, purchaser or provider and not try to be both. We then move on to some general quality issues in, in section 1011, talking about the utilization of data and information management systems to monitor the quality and standard of healthcare services, medicines and products purchased by the fund. Clearly, um, SAPRA would obviously be the responsible body for the quality of medicines and products, but it needs to be transparent about which standards will be used to measure the quality of services. Um, the member is breaking. Can someone take over, please? Can I just check if you can hear me now? Yeah, can there not be no other person who can present on your behalf? Is it is it not clear, Chair? 
Let me just check here. Yeah, we can continue so long. We'll interrupt okay. you to tell you. All right. If it breaks again, just let me know. I'll ask one of uh, the board members to take over. But looking at uh, Section 10.1, um, measuring the impact of NHI on national health outcomes, we believe that an objective third party should be assessing the performance in addressing the healthcare needs of the nation. I think that's a, a very important point. Um, in Section 11.1H, it was merely a, a question of clarification um, where there was talk about the investigation of complaints against the fund health service, healthcare providers and health establishments and just some, the relationship between the complaints handled by the fund and the Office of Health Standard Compliance, and how would the public be able to differentiate the type of complaint and where to look at it. Um, important, very important to have the complaint system, but just ensuring that everybody knows exactly how to approach them and where to put their complaint. If I move now to... Chair, this is Brad Byers speaking. In the, in the event that uh, we don't get Jackie back, I can uh, take the committee through the... Jackie, are you back online? Yes, can you hear me now? Will you pick it up, Brad? Jackie, we're okay again. Sorry, Chair, to, to interrupt. I know you want to have a seamless presentation. Jackie, I think continue on the quality of service slide if you're able there. Yes, thank you. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, you can. Okay, good. Um, yes, the same that uh, the certification by the OHSC and registration by recognised statutory health professionals council have been added as requirements, but it's not clear if these will replace the current DOH licensing and the BH of the Board of Healthcare Funders practice coding system, as the bill is silent on both those processes. Other than the certification by the OHSC, which is measured against the regulated minimum standards, there is really no other measure mention of quality of the facility and the services to be provided. And we believe that quality is key to ensuring safe healthcare delivery for the users and for the healthcare workers at, in all healthcare settings. And it's absolutely critical that we have quality of service. I'm a little ahead of time, Chair, but I'm on the final slide. Um, talk about the accreditation of facilities. The section 391 outlines how the NHF fund will credit the providers. Is asking that obligations of accreditation should be kept separate. Whereby facilities will be accredited on an ongoing basis and suggest that the period should be shorter in the early stages and be extended as the process beds down. Chair, those are our comments and our, our um, proposals to, to the committee. Um, a little bit shorter than the 45 minutes, but I hope that 
um, has helped you to understand our position and has proved to be useful and we're very happy to take questions. Thank you, Chairperson and Honourable Members. I suppose the other members of your panel will believe that a fair representation of your story. I had been insisting that they must take over and get They have been breaking all the time, but if they are comfortable with that, that's fine with me because they have been just as, as me aware that you are not coming through clearly, but then they just let you go on and continue with the challenges that you faced. Okay. May I then recognize members who would like to make a contribution in terms of questions for whatever. I was trying to follow up. I just didn't make it to follow right to the end. I noticed the following hands. Uh, Honorable Munai, Honorable, uh, this is, okay, definitely. Honorable Munai, you are number one. So Kacha, number two. Honorable Dr. Jacobs, you are number three. Any other uh, member who would like to? Honorable four is me. Honorable Hengwa. Honorable Ismail. Please note me, Chair. Number five, Honorable Kela. Chairperson, Honorable Ismail. Any? Chairperson, can you Dr. hear me? Ismail, you are number six. Honorable Ismail, you are number six. Number seven, Harvard. Okay, Harvard, you are number seven. I don't know, I see another hand on the, the registered as a South African, maybe embassy or whoever, and just got his or her hand up. That hand has since disappeared. That's fine. We'll have the following members to ask questions. Honorable Munai, number one. Number two, follow one after the other. Uh, as soon as the member finishes, you then follow. Honorable Sokata, we are number two. Honorable Teta Jacobs, you are number three. Honorable Shengwa, uh, uh, you are number four. Honorable Kela, number five. Honorable Ismail, number six, and then last, Honorable Harvard, number seven, Dr. Harvard. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. I would want to ask the presenter, uh, what wording uh, will they suggest should be used to clarify further section eight, subsection 2B? That's my first question, Honorable Chair. The second question that is the following. Uh, they recommended that the health technology assessment need to be available for scrutiny and that there should be an appeal mechanism for section seven, subsection four. Uh, the, and I must proceed with the following. Section 57 states that ministerial advisory committee on health technology assessment will be established. This is supported by section seven, subsection four B. Uh, and also section 42 outlined the appeals process. I thought uh, that's the question that I need to be clarified about. Thank you. Thank you very much, <clears throat> Honorable Chairperson. Um, 
My question is just a, 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 a point of clarity. Uh, I just want to check from the presenter what 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 definition what is their definition uh, of international and quality standards uh, that measures that co that uh, causes measures. I just want to check what is their definition on international and quality standards that causes measures. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chairperson, and thank you to the presenters for coming to present to us. Now, you have re, uh, mentioned the uh, patients being referred uh, by the doctors, and uh, you've recommended that some degree of choice should be available to patients in consultation with the referring doctor to go outside the referral pathway. We are certain that Section 37 seeks to ensure that the referral pathway is functional, including the transportation of users between the different levels of care and between accredited public and private care service providers and health establishments, um, if necessary. And I would like to have your comment on that section, which is section 37. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chairperson. First of all, let me welcome the presentation. Let me welcome the presentation. I have only three questions. I don't know whether it's a questions or clarity seeking question. Number one, what are the council proposed changes to the country's health care system in light of proposed NHI bill. Number two, in terms of what is your role there and your accessibility because the most of hospice are in extremely deep rural area. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, I've got only one question, but let me first welcome the presentation uh, from the presenters. Uh, you have made a recommendation that the process should allow for once-off registration process with user profile accessible uh, to multiply facilities through unique user ID. Uh, section 7, uh, subsection 2B allows for portability of, success, of access uh, and uh, section 7, uh, subsection 3, explain how portability will apply. Thank you, Chair. Ismail. And then Harvard thereafter. Thank you, Chair. Uh, good afternoon, and thank you for the presentation. I just have two questions. The first one, in your presentation, you mentioned a concern about the department. Of- the reception is very poor, Honorable Ismail. 
We can hardly hear you, Honorable Ismail. We can hardly hear you. Efficient geographically dispersed facilities. Would have the NHI and rather not have it central. Can you hear? My second question The OHSC is unable to monitor even 20% of facilities. In your opinion, how will this impede compliance and the handling of complaints? Shri, I'll send you my questions in case you couldn't hear me so that you could read it out for me. Thank you, Chair. Does COSASA support the NHI bill as a single peer, single purchase fund? Thank you. I will await uh, Honorable Ismail in case uh, I was not able to, but the, the second part of her question is also what I would have liked to know. Um, Kosasa, you are a Southern African uh, institution now within the borders of South Africa and in particular in health, there was an establishment, those sitting independently, a need to have an independent uh, institution called Office of the Health Standard Compliance. It has, uh, it was among other things, trying to assist the quality improvement in facilities uh, to improve systems and to make sure that that is actually uh, like one would say one of the enablers for the NHI to to, to take its route from. Now uh, what is your assessment of the Office of the Health Standard Compliance? Are you wanting to complement the work that they do or maybe firstly are you familiar with the work of the Office of the Health Standard Compliance. Uh, what was coming in from Honorable Ismail is that, uh, yes, there are many facilities, both um, private and public, and they seem to be behind in accrediting them. Uh, so what is your view? Do you think uh, they not, if they were to be capacitated, they would be sufficient? Uh, are you familiar with the uh, accreditation criteria that they use and therefore would uh, comment that they continue or you want to supplement that. The other part is that uh, oh, section 32 uh, in brackets two, and the bill describes that there will be a changing roles of, of provinces and their responsibilities. Uh, obviously that means there will be an amendment to the National Health Act uh, to that as, as uh, in the schedule of page 37, uh, it further then outlines this part in terms of changes that will be there. Do you actually want to have a section in the bill outlining that in details as to how and what roles will those be for provinces? Uh, if maybe you could uh, actually deal with that. Uh, I see someone is indicating that they would like to continue with a follow-up. Is there anyone who actually did not uh, ask his or her question? Honorable Munai uh, and Honorable Sokacha, you are indicating that you want to follow up. Maybe let's give you now before uh, they answer, if you can. Thank you very much, Chairperson. My, my follow-up question, Chair, will be with regard to the comments on Section 
what is uh, Kosasa's understanding of strategic purchasing and value-based contracting? Thank you very much, sir. Honorable Chair, yes, is, it, is it their organization, uh, Kosasa's view, that there's confusion of non-nomenclature uh, non between the terms, clarifications, accreditations, accreditation, licensing, and quality improvement. If they can, uh, please clarify. Listening, listening, honorable Munai. I'm done. I'm done, honorable chair. So Okay, can we have... Yeah, I also do a follow-up, please, Chairperson. Yeah, come, come up. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I want to speak on Section 32.2, sub, subsection 2, which describes the changing role of provinces. Um, now, my view is that amendment to the National Health Act, as contained in the schedule of page uh, 37, further outlines the changing role of provinces. Does Kosasa want to have a section in the bill outlining the future role of provinces? Thank you, Chair. Kosasa, please come and answer. Thank you, Chair. Um, I think for the internet, I'll, I'll leave my camera off if that is okay. If my voice fades or I go offline, uh, Dr. Byra will pick up the answers as well. If that's in order, Chair. Chair, if I, if I try and deal with the questions in order as, as they were asked, Uh, the, the first question related to section 8.2, um, and yes, I think we really are just asking for clarification on that um, around the um, uh, making sure that the there is some kind of appeal mechanism, which I think, as the honourable member said, is covered elsewhere in the, in the bill. Um, but just to make sure that there is, is clarification that um, patients do have... Um, the opportunity to um, purchase from other sources and also around the health technology assessments being available for scrutiny. Um, as the oh. honourable member pointed out, the uh, ministerial advisory committee right. set out an appeal process. Mr. Stewart, let me add other questions that were forwarded to me by the member who was breaking when she was presenting, uh, Honourable Ishmael. She has got Thank two you, questions. She has got two questions, and uh, may I read? In your presentation, you mentioned a concern about the Department of Health to efficiently govern such geographically dispersed facilities. Would you suggest that more power should be given uh, to the provinces for implementation of the NHI and rather not have it centered at national? That's the first question from Honorable um, Ishmael. The second one. The Office of the Health Standard Compliance is unable to monitor even 20% of the facilities. 
In your opinion, how could this impede compliance and the handling of complaints? Those are additional questions that you can add on uh, into your responses. They are from Honorable Ismail, who was breaking when she was trying to raise those questions with us. Thank you. Thank you, Chair, if I might. Um, when you read the first question from um, uh, Honourable Member Ishmael, you broke up. I just picked up concern about the National Department of Health, not the, sec not the rest of that question. From who? From who? Chairperson, sorry, just to make life easy, I put the question on the Zoom chat group. Thank you. Thank you. Chair, so, Chair, should I continue with the answers of the questions uh, in the order that they were uh, asked? In any order, not necessarily in the order they were asked, whatever that is comfortable for you, yes. Thank you. Um, then uh, the, the second question that I picked up from Honourable Member Saskatchewan uh, related to the definition of international um, quality standards. Um, our definition is derived from the fact that our standards are accredited by the International Society for Quality in Healthcare their external evaluation association. And that's the global body that accredits accreditation, healthcare facility accreditation bodies and standards. So we believe that is the, the best practice globally to have standard healthcare standards accredited by ISPA. Um, the the follow-up question to that was around um, value-based contracting and strategic purchasing. Um, I think value-based contracting is a lot about um, looking to services that may be provided by a team, not necessarily a fee-for-service from an individual practitioner, um, and particularly in areas of chronic diseases and areas such as palliative care. There is a huge argument for value-based contracting to enable the, the team approach to, to patient care to give the, the patient the best options. Um, it also avoids, we believe, um, perverse incentives of over-servicing over patients when they don't necessarily need particular investigations or treatments. Um, Honourable Member Jacobs asked a question around referral pathways in, in question 37. Um, certainly, we believe referral pathways are essential and they are the best way if people have it, it allows for much more clarity and it allows for certainty for the receiving doctors or uh, receiving teams to to take patients um, through transport or elsewhere what however what we do feel is that patients and doctors in exceptional circumstances, it wouldn't necessarily be the norm, but should be given the opportunity to move outside of those pathways for very, if there are very good reasons to do so. But obviously, they would need to be um, very clear and, and have a mechanism for ensuring that those can take place. Um, 
Honourable Member Thingwe um, talked about changes in the healthcare system in light of the NHI. Um, and yes, I think there will be changes in the system. One of the good changes will be much more uh, transparency and co-working between the public and private sector, which has to be has to be good. Um, and, and I think more horizontal movement between public and private sector and benefiting from the expertise in both sectors. Um, I didn't hear clearly the second part of your question, Honourable Member, but you talked about CASAS's role in accessibility. Um, and many of the healthcare facilities in the country are indeed in remote rural areas. And I think part of the NHI's role will be to ensure that we improve the access to care, particularly for the most vulnerable populations, and ensure that it's not just the metropolitan areas that have good access to care, that all patients are, and users have access to care. Um, Honourable Member Gela talked about the process for the once-off registration, um, and you're right, the um, section 7. We're not saying the bill doesn't allow for that, but we think there needs to be more clarification to ensure that um, patients understand that registration process and that it is kept as simple as possible to ensure that people have good access and access when they need it the most. Um, um, the uh, Honourable Member Harvard talked about the, the single fund, the um, fund. I'm, I'm not a finance expert and I wouldn't claim to have a strong opinion on that. And perhaps I'll just ask Dr. Byra if he wants to comment on that question. Jackie, thank you, Chair, through your honourable members. I, I think we, we, um, we stand between two different um, positions on, on the opinion. We, we as Kasasa advocates strongly the, the position on value-based care and quality improvement. In, in terms of whether um, we support the uh, national health insurance as, as a payer, that we are fully supportive of all the initiatives for driving towards universal care and driving towards both the autonomy of care at, at practitioner user level, but also at the uh, integrated um, role of, of um, what, what, what you might consider to be a value-based purchasing of care. The alignment of how that care should be funded is, is, is not something that, that I believe that we could comment on other than to say that we're respectful of the manner in which it's been proposed at the moment without um, denigrating from, from the role. I do think that uh, when we look at this in terms of uh, the question that was raised in, in section 32.2, what is the future role of the provinces? I think there, when we start looking at the role of the um, provincial health departments and also the provinces in contracting for primary care, costing for that care, uh, that care using um, techniques like uh, DTPs and understanding 
the history of where we've been with, with understanding the, the, the costing of PMBs and the access and rollout, there is sufficient information available for yourself to, to be uh, making those decisions. Where, where we have an interest and believe that both accreditation and quality improvement plays a big role is that we would be able to see outliers in funding or payment for, for care along a DTP using uh, DRG-related um, grouping. And that would, would, would give further insight into both affordability and uh, control of care. So I'm not sure if that completely um, answers the question uh, around funding. But at the same time, if we were to, to consider the, the, the question the Honourable Members asked about the portability of access to care and the strategic purchasing and value-based purchasing of, of, of care, I do believe that um, by taking a, a position where we fully support the OHSC on how they um, wish to create standards and supporting them through providing adjunctive um, uh, accreditation uh, standards and by supporting the South African standards that are already in place, the view is to gradually, progressively uh, encourage um, facility management, not to do the facility management, but to ensure that, that hospital managers and clinic managers and, and, and provincial um, advocacy make sure that the, the uh, facilities and the, the access to care and standards of care raise, believing that as the access to care raises and the quality of care raises and the negative or adverse outcomes reduce, the cost of care reduces in the same way because you've got more efficiency and, and, and uh, uh, better outcomes. And so if you calculated better outcomes using some of the actuarial models of qualies and delis, what one might find is that um, quality improvement by CASASA supporting OHSC, even though they currently can only monitor up to 20%, the view would be that that hospital managers and facilities and provincial organs would be doing the monitoring and support themselves, where OHSC and, and, and ourselves as CASASA could support in setting where the next areas of improvement might be. That would give coordinated views on, on, on areas where nationally we can improve, provincially we could improve, or in areas where specific local care needs to be improved. And I use that as preamble because that gives a sense of where finance needs to be focused in certain areas where provincially one province may be stronger and another might be less strong in terms of moving through a graded system. Chair, I hope I have answered that, that, that question. Um, Jackie, shall I hand back to you for, for more answers? Two questions outstanding. Um, you, you've touched on the one um, from Honourable Member Ishmael um, about the uh, OHSC, so I hope we've answered that. Um, and then the, the question you asked about the, um, my comment about the Depart National Department of Health being able to manage uh, very geographically dispersed um, facilities. I'm, I'm not advocating um, where power should be allocated. I just think it's important that the, the, management, the management lines to facilities and ensuring that the needs of local populations are met must be clear. However they are delivered, they need to be clear that the population, our populations are very varied. Um, we have large urban populations, large rural populations, 
different age groups, um, different needs. So I think it's just that clarity of ensuring that there are very clear lines of responsibility and uh, management, that the patients and the service providers know exactly who, they're, who they need to report to and where any, any concerns or any changes need to be. And I think the bill just needs to be clear on how that is organised. Um, finally, Chair, there was um, a question about the confusion between licensing, quality improvement, certification. I think it was on Member Manai and accreditation. Um, I don't have a little diagram with me at the moment, but there is, there is a very simple, I think licensing is the very basic part that um, a health care facility, before it opens its doors, has the basic infrastructure to be able to provide the services for which it is being um, built. So if it's a hospital, it has the requirements for a hospital. If it's a primary care facility, it has that and it's licensed um, accordingly and that those are minimum standards. Um, we see certification... Um, that is, uh, and, and that is, is, as the Office of Health Standard Compliance has a regulatory function to ensure that um, standards that have been through the, the due process in the Government Gazette, that those standards are met. Accreditation, as we um, understand it as, as an internationally accredited um, healthcare facility accreditation organisation, is a voluntary process. Um, and that is that people choose to enter an accreditation programme I think that in some countries they are mandatory. I think there's a, a fine line between where people see the mandatory process ensuring that they comply with the standards and the honorable member put in, into his question quality improvement. And that for me is, is the huge difference that whether you can, when you comply with standards, it's not about ticking of a box on the day. It's about complying with the standards because it is the right thing to do to ensure your healthcare workers and your users of the service are safe and guaranteed a quality environment in which to work and to be treated. Um, and I think both, both can ensure that, but we need to um, help people with the change of mindset that we want to mindset in South Africa for our local services that are continuously improving. Um, I would like to see CASASA being complementary to the Office of Health Standard Compliance as they have their mandate to ensure that the regulations are met, and that's a huge mandate. And I think they need the capacity to do that. But we see that accreditation could be part of a trajectory of that continuous improvement that would help us to ensure that our services get better and better as the years progress. Chair, I think we have answered all your questions, but please come back to me if I haven't, or um, I have missed the list. Yeah. May, may I, thank you very much, may I, uh, read another one from Honorable Munyai, but it seems to be related to what has just been alluded to. You will clarify me. Uh, but, uh, Honorable Munyai is asking if the presenter is implying that the Board of Healthcare Funders uh, practice code numbering system and the issuing of facility license by the Department of Health nationally is some form of quality assurance. Uh, can you explain uh, this part and maybe implications? It's probably related to what we have just been saying, but uh, specifically to say, do you call that the quality? And maybe you need to help us to understand. That's a question from Honorable Munyai. Can I also do a follow-up 
question sir okay come through <clears throat> thank you very much Jefferson. Uh, i just want to make a follow up question on on the question of strategic purchasing and value based contracting value based contracting and strategic purchasing ties the price to performance of a wide offer provider is it causes view that strategic purchasing must be separate from accreditation thank you chair any other member with any other follow up okay if none i'll bring it back to the leadership and the team to complete their responses thank you chair i if you don't mind and if the honorable members don't mind i i'd like to answer these two questions on behalf of um of our ceo jackie stewart who has said that her audio quality wasn't good and and maybe i could i could answer honorable yani and and uh, the 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 final members questions by by answering it in 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 two parts the the first part is is the registration of the facility with with board of healthcare funders and the use of icd and and um, procedure coding and 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 related coding are certainly elements to both create the licensure and the 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 ability to provide services under board of healthcare funders and then the mechanism of creating both singular and and, and multivariate models to measure what procedures are being done at what cost in which region with what quality outcome so i i, I do believe in and and i experience as as individuals of board members and and um executive and, and operational members of Kasasa have shown that where there is the discipline of integrated record keeping on a integrated uh, repository or, or um, data set and and I use an example of the EVDS right now as we roll through with um, the vaccination program the ability to integrate data in a manner that allows us to see which users are getting what kind of care on which pathways referral pathways and uh, care pathways provides both the um the administrators and the legislators with significant insight into how effective our levels of care are how many users we reaching at 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 which region and demographic with what type of primary secondary and tertiary rehabilitative care so i think our position would be that we do support um as as quality measures the registrations of facilities and practitioners and the use of coding whether we're using icd or snowmed or the combination i don't think that is is an issue as long as they're being uh, consistently um, provided that um speaks also to the question that was raised earlier on whether we have proposed changes to the country's um, healthcare system and what might kasasa's role be and i i believe that 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 an observation having been part of the uh, assessment of quality and 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 the issuing of of accreditation against standards in these various institutions is that the ability to have integrated records and shared record keeping firstly allows increased collaboration amongst um, healthcare practitioners and providers it allows push and pull 
information around formularies and where, where care and uh, facilities are needed and where there is capacity in, in certain areas where there isn't in others. It also gives a, a strong understanding of where users need um, continuation of care because of their mobility and portability of their own lifestyles, either socially or, or as a result of work. So that goes back to, to the honourable question, uh, a speaker's question on whether there should be a, a quality standard aligned. And I think the answer for, for us would be certainly yes. On the question of strategic purchasing and value-based contracting and having that as a separation uh, of function from accreditation, I think the, the, the process of looking at the effectiveness of, of how a healthcare facility is providing its services should be separate from and, and, and aligned to, and I say separate from and aligned to strategic purchasing and value-based contracting because the accreditation process may under its uh, parameters look at how strategic purchasing is done or how value-based contracting is entered into and look at um, SLA measures as to the effectiveness of that. But I think the accreditation needs to be separate. Or we believe that it should be separate in the sense that there, there is always the potential of a conflict if the, the person viewing and, and, and being involved in the purchasing and contracting role is also um, part of the evaluation of the um, efficacy and, and, and excellence of, of services at a service delivery and accreditation level. So the, the summary might be that the licensing through Board of Healthcare Funders and, and, and through the National Department are important. The, uh, the recognition of services both through pathway and through coding is essential. And the separation of services so that those persons doing the accreditation directly through the Office of Healthcare uh, OHSC and through partners like ourselves would allow there to be an unfettered drive towards excellence without conflict of interest. Chair, I, I, I limit my comment to that and hand back to, to yourself to give us guidance. Uh, honorable members, uh, you have made your follow-up and uh, we probably need to release this team that was presenting to us. We thank them for their contribution. Uh, it will be part of our consideration when we uh, do the refining of the NHI, but also there's a Department of Health here that has joined us to be part of this uh, uh, team. Uh, you are then released, thank you very much, but you can stay on if you are uh, interested to listen to the next presenters. Uh, Ms. Majalamba, can you tell, or maybe closing remarks, uh, Dr. Beira, and then Ms. Majalamba will show us who is next to Chair, honorable members, on behalf of, of Kasasa, we thank you for the, um, for the privilege of being part of today's discussion and for allowing us the opportunity to represent to you some of our initial comments and share with you um, our position in terms of how we believe we can support the um, rollout of, of, of national healthcare and the striving towards universal care. I thank you further on, on, on behalf of our board and our CEO, Jackie, for um, 
asking the, the questions that you've asked and allowing us to, to share with you our insights to the degree that we could. We open ourselves to yourselves at any time for, for further discussion and we make ourselves available should you uh, require any more information at any time. Thank you very much. We will do, we will not hesitate to, to call you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Ms. Machalamba? Uh, let me just see. 15. We now will be getting, let's take a five minutes break. Ms. Machalamba will be checking how far are the uh, presenters of South African Dental Association. South African Dental Association is a group that is coming next after a five minutes break. Ms. Machalamba, can you check them that they are coming through? Then we'll be taking a five minutes break. Thanks.
some members or one or two who have joined in uh, to make a presentation on the dental association uh, if i'm calling them right uh, can we invite them sorry we were rushing you you are 15 minutes earlier than the time allocated to you i was just speaking to the sector that maybe all presenters would have to if given 15 45 log in at least 10, 15 minutes earlier than the time, we might just be needing them there. Not all presentations are the same size and a long discussions. Sometimes others are shorter. So you are logged in from the Dental Association. Please introduce yourself, and then you can start with your presentation. Uh, it starts now, and we are 15 minutes, sorry, 45 minutes to present. Uh, we will then uh, take questions from the honorable members to interact with you. Uh, thank you very much. Your time starts now. Um, thank you, um, Dr. Swansen Tomo. Thank you so much. And thank you to the portfolio committee for allowing uh, Stada to make a presentation uh, to this committee on the NHI. So we appreciate that. Um, I think as a way of uh, starting this meeting, I would like to introduce my uh, colleagues. Um, so I'm starting with myself. I am the CEO of the organization, the South African Dental Association. My name is Casey Makubele. I have with me the people that are going to be assisting me. Uh, it is Dr. Uh, Ronan Naidu. Uh, he might be joining uh, in the next few minutes if he has not joined. He is the president of the association. I've got Dr. Uh, Nadim Osman, uh, who is the vice acting chairperson of the board at the current moment. And I've got with me Dr. Uh, Mr. Gavin, who is our head of legal and governance. And I've got uh, Dr. Metzing. Head of Professional Development, and Dr. Pabu, who is Head of Clinical Support Services. Having said that, thank you so much. Um, we're probably also going to not take all the time that is allocated to us, um, as we are going to only um, speak on the few things that we believe are important for the committee um, to, to note. The South African Dental Association it's a non-profit company and professional association representing the majority of dentists and dental specialists in the, uh, both the private and public sector. Uh, many of you would also know us by our coding book, which we have created and we have maintained over the years, and that has become the language of dentistry in South Africa. We are also affiliated with the world uh, 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 FDI, which is the Federation of Dental Associations Worldwide. Sada appreciate this collective uh, voice um, in allowing Sada to make this uh, presentation. We believe that dentists play a fundamental role in the oral health of the nation. And I think this is one area that many of our colleagues and members of the public sometimes are not aware most of the time when there are issues around 
um, around uh, health issues, uh, the dentist seems to be left behind, or majority of the time there's a notification or a mention of medical doctors as if the medical doctors are uh, an, uh, an umbrella name that includes dentists. So dentists also play a very crucial role in the early diagnosis of many acute and chronic conditions from the oral cavity, prevention of diseases and oral health promotion. And family, we firmly believe that oral health affects general health. With that in mind, <clears throat> we want to say from the onset that SADA is supportive of the universal health coverage. And this may have, may have changed from the initial presentation that we might have made um, over the years. We definitely are supportive of the universal health coverage for all South Africans, where individuals have been access uh, to needed health services without financial hardships. We believe that's important. However, our biggest um, uh, issue and concern is, this, is the concern that we have about the model that is presently chosen by the government and its implementation, in other words. A few countries working towards the universal health coverage include dental services for some or all population groups, just suggesting that the exclusion of oral health from uh, universal health coverage is not conceptual. Okay, uh, well, are, you reading, are you reading from anywhere? Because we are yes. not able to follow you. We let uh, just see you. We don't see your presentation. Okay, and should I share that? I have not been asked to share the presentation. Should I share it then? How do we interact with the presentation yes. that we don't see? Thank you. I will, I will share that. It's not a problem. If it allows me. Two seconds. Are you able to see the presentation, Doc, and the members of the committee? Chairperson, yes. are you able to see? Yes, yes, we can see it. Thank you. Thank you very much. I will, um, I will continue um, as most of what I had said earlier on was very much introductory. I am at this level at the moment where I'm seeing a few countries working towards the universal health coverage. They include dental services. Sorry, Chairperson. Uh, Chair. Chairperson. Hello. There's an echo. When, when, when the presenter speaks, there's an echo that is disturbing in him. In her room, when when he yeah, Dr. Kubela, is there someone who's doing some brickwork at your house or something? There's something that comes at the back of your uh, presentation. Chair, I am no, there is no one. I'm actually alone in the house, um, so I'm not quite sure. And I've logged in through one uh, device. Okay. So I am not so sure. Maybe right. what I will can I I'll just speak a bit slower in case that's an issue. Let us, let us tolerate that noise. It's not that much, but there is a bit of a background noise. 
Let us tolerate okay. it if you can't find where this is coming from. Thanks. Okay. I, I, I'm not so sure, Chairperson. What I was saying is that uh, many countries that are working towards the universal health coverage, they will always include dental services. So it is no, there's no question that you know, these are important if we are going to look after the health of the population. Um, and obviously failing to broaden the universal health coverage to encompass all oral health risks undermine the systemic health outcomes and exacerbate health disparities, which the NHI is trying to, uh, to deal with. Our concern about the NH bill um, is that to date, no provision or little provision is made for dentists and dental specialists in the provision of oral health care at every level of care in the NHI. You will notice, uh, members of the committee, that when you go through the bill, hardly is dental services or dentists mentioned. Um, and that is a very big concern uh, for us. If you look at oral health and overall wellness, you will understand that uh, physical examination of the mouth and face can reveal signs of disease, drug use, domestic physical abuse, harmful habits and addiction, such as smoking and general health status. So it is important that we include our dental services within the whole spectrum. The mouth, you would agree with us, serves as the window to the rest of the body, providing signals of general health disorders. For example, mouth lesions may be the first signs of HIV infection. Uh, ulcers are occasionally a manifestation of colic disease or Crohn's disease. Pale and bleeding gums can be a marker of blood disorders. Bone loss in the lower jaw can be an early indicator of skeletal osteoporosis. And changes in tooth appearance can indicate bulimia or anorexia. And these are all or can be identified by the dentist. The oral conditions have an, important, uh, have an impact on overall health and disease. Bacteria from mouth can cause infection in other parts of the body, when the immune system has been compromised by disease or medical treatments, uh, e.g. infective endocarditis. Systemic conditions and their treatment are also known to impact on oral health. I can go on, but I'm not gonna go into this detail at this stage so that we can go to the, the, the rest of where we stay. Except to say that recognition that oral health and general health are interlinked is essential for determining appropriate oral health care programs and strategies at both individual and community care levels, that the mouth and body are integral to each other underscores the importance of the integration of oral health into the holistic general health policies. Though mostly preventable, oral health diseases are rampant in countries of all levels of development. Untreated oral diseases can have debilitating to fatal consequences. In addition to tooth decay and gum disease, oral pathologies include oral and oropharyngeal cases, uh, cancers, microbial infections, and tooth abscesses. I'm just indicating the importance. So I'm, not, I'm gonna leave this slide as I mean, we can even make it available to uh, the, the committee should it be needed. So the present NHI model 
in an environment which is not able to be uh, very comprehensive or offer comprehensive services to them uh, of basket to the market will lead to the majority of South Africa having access to less comprehensive health services than is currently the case in both the public and private sector. This would not be progressive realization, according to SADA, of healthcare that is uh, demanded or envisaged by section 27.2 of the South African constitution. The majority of healthcare professionals, um, which I'm sure many others have indicated, are concerned and have a negative disposition against the implementation of the NHI uh, model as presented currently. I mean, we give an example of the PPS survey that was done in 2012 and other uh, uh, in a service and, 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 and yeah, that were done indicating how uncomfortable some of the members that are supposed to be working within the NHI uh, feel. So it's an indication that we do need to address some of the issues. In some instances, it's just maybe the information is not there, but in some instances, we do definitely need to look at and hear the people that are on the ground, what they are saying. If you look at the model, in other countries, universal health coverage seek to cover people in groups who have inadequate health care coverage. In South Africa, uh, the NHI, as it's designed at the moment, uh, is designed to include people who already have cover through their own private contributions. It's clear that as we stand at the moment, and this has been said even by the ministry, it's unaffordable. The long-suffering taxpayer is being asked in effect to sign what could be the biggest blank check in the South African history. The NHI project, um, which was a good thing to do, um, uh, which was, 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 was set out by the ministry, uh, when you look at the report, the outcomes are very depressing. Um, children requiring health care didn't get it. Incomplete infrastructure projects computers sent to clinics without access to the internet, patient registration systems suffered from poor connectivity, hardware problems, and a lack of IT staff, money invested to, up, to upgrade 140 clinics to improve infrastructure were rarely implemented or completed due to lack of planning and funds not being released on time. I must hasten to say at this stage, uh, Chairperson, that obviously it does not mean that the model as then everything about it is wrong. But because of the limited time, we're just highlighting issues and we'll ha only highlight issues that we believe need uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the government and the Department of Health to really look and maybe provide a different solution. I'm going to skip this one. So the NHI will provide also the health minister to be given extraordinary powers to make regulations over the private and public health sectors. The bill may put too much power in the hands of a few. The, govern, the governance model for the NHI, according to us, uh, in terms of the fund, which is intended at least as stated, to procure all health services in South Africa, is effectively appointed and removed by one person, which is the Minister of Health. The NHI will essentially become state-owned entity um, with a budget that would top above, as we know by now, 450 billion, and this is an old number that we worked on. These wide-ranging powers will create a, call it a capturable governance structure. To date, no minister has been able to account 
for the state capture. And what I mean by this is we are saying that we are worried that uh, if we look at how things have happened in the past, particularly with big investments that may be equal to this, um, when it comes to issues of governance and how the money has been spent, it has been problematic. And we can give examples of how things have gone wrong. So all papers and the bill, the only reference to doctors is made when subjecting them to price control, registration, or excommunication. In reality, however, the entire healthcare system revolves around doctors. They are the ones that are supposed to make this happen. They are the ones that are supposed to implement uh, the principles and everything else with regards to the NHI, not the other way around. So without doctors, we, having, we have nothing. Yet there are no plans for looking after our doctors. And when I say doctors, I'm referring to the people that are going to be implementing the uh, NHI. Healthcare outcomes in South Africa at the moment are so bad, partly because of the prevalence of poverty and of many people lack of basic infrastructure for health life. Another contributing factor is exposure to interpersonal violence and lifestyle issues such as alcohol and tobacco abuse. While we support the resource, we personally, as or should I say SADA, we support resource-informed and evidence-based approach to any implementation of major reform in the health system, including the NHI. We are therefore concerned about the limited time frames to process the enabling legislation to put the provision into place. As you know, we have just above nine, uh, more than nine acts that need to be repealed and sorted out. We haven't had feedback on where we are with that. And yet the phase, the phases are supposed to be uh, moving on and we're supposed to be implementing NHI as we have already started. But we just worry that we are not, the government pos- possibly is not moving enough or uh, quick enough to repeal and replace and update the relevant legislation to ensure that the NHI is uh, implemented effectively. The bill makes provision for the fund to establish an independent board that will report to parliament. However, it makes no mention of how the board will engage with the health minister, uh, who is the political custodian of this bill, and public servants in the health department. Nor does it explain how the performance of the fund will be evaluated. And this is one of our major concerns. First phase calls for a central hospitals um, that are currently national funded and managed, managed need, and, and, need, and, and managed needs to be migrated to so-called uh, semi-autonomous entities. This term is not defined anywhere and precise intended status of central hospitals is therefore largely unknown. A contracting unit for primary health care needs to be structured. The precise terms and conditions of a cooperative management arrangement are not detailed in the bill at all. Uh, Chairperson and the members of the committee, you would recognize, particularly in South Africa, that we have in some sort of an anomaly. When you look at uh, oral health space, uh, you get about 90% or Plus, I'm just giving uh, maybe fixed number, uh, rounded numbers. 90% of dentists, they are operating outside of the public sector. And only about 10% are operating within the, uh, the, the public sector. So surely uh, there needs to be a, a, a huge interaction and consultation with uh, 
the, the, the private sector. But unfortunately, um, we are of the concern that a big association like SADA, even when we had offered our own uh, expertise and knowledge, has not been taken on during the putting together of the bill. A health patient registration system needs to be established as contemplated in Clause 5 of the bill. Like the fund itself, this objective requires Clause 5 of the bill enacted into law in order for its provision to take effect legally and for the proposed registration to be established. We haven't seen or we haven't received feedback on how this is going, or should I say the public, we are not aware of how far this is, is, is working. The following will require Clause 5 and other provisions to be enacted into law for the provisions of the uh, uh, for the provisions to be legally effective. A health patient registration system needs to be established. The NHI fund, the accreditation process for healthcare providers, including the inspection and certification of health establishments by the Office of Health Standards Compliance. Purchasing of health services benefits by the fund is expected to start under phase one but there is no comprehensive list of, the, of such services. And this leaves us a little bit unsure as to where, in particular, the, uh, the dental services and the dental profession um, stand in terms of assisting the implementation of the NHI. Various complex pieces of legislation are expected, as I indicated earlier on, to make room for the NHI and the bill. These are all still currently in effect, such as the Medical Schemes Act, the Traditional Health uh, Practitioners Act, the Medicines and the Related Statutes as amended. The other concern is that we haven't seen any empirical research conducted on the burden of oral and dental disease in both the private and public sector. No database of ICD-10, which are diagnostic codes, which are useful for healthcare planning, ensuring improved service delivery have been published. SADA has on numerous occasions um, uh, made, made, uh, made writings and made approaches to the department say, and, and, and the powers that may be with regards to the ICD-10 as an example. So how do we envisage that we can have an effective NHI when we don't actually know the burden of oral and dental Diseases, and maybe this is one of the reasons why most of the time uh, dentists are actually not included when it comes to solutions for the nation, when it comes to the health side of things, is because we don't have a process, we don't have a knowledge of where the majority of diseases are, or where the diseases are, or what type of diseases we are talking about that needs to be provided for. And I think that's exactly the same with the medical aid scheme, where they have not utilized. Uh, uh, data to plan ahead. And I think this is where the NHI may also fail. And it's important. The ICD-10, for instance, uh, when it comes to uh, the dentistry, we, every time when you treat somebody, you have to actually link to the ICD-10 codes. But where it goes, we don't know. It goes into a black hole. No one ever utilizes that information. And that is one point that needs to be emphasized when we go uh, to the NHI implementation, and otherwise we may fall flat as well, particularly on the oral health side of things. We are also concerned about the negative impact 
or failing to manage deadlines of the NHI implementation. And this creates uncertainty in the dental profession and the community that desperately require healthcare services. We have had times when um, the minister has come out and said, this is the timelines that would, not, that would, would, would be implemented to achieve the implementation of the NHI. And those deadlines have been missed many a time. Um, and now, with all the questions that the professions are having, with all the uh, questions, questions and uncertainty that the implementers of this NHI have, when the longer we take to implement um, the NHI, the more we may start to lose people in, from the profession. The prevailing pressure on the Department of Health in order to deal with COVID-19 pandemic and the successful rollout of the appropriate vac vaccination program for the entire country in 2021 and possibly going to 2022 um, may also mean that some of the current uh, deadlines that uh, the department has set itself or the nation has set itself may not be reached. And that concerns us uh, because it might indicate again that we don't have enough resources in trying to implement the bill at this stage. Some of the last few concerns are eligibility as beneficiaries of the fund. Despite the provisions, the, uh, the Bill of Rights, which provide everyone with right of access to the health care, um, we, we do know that, uh, please ignore that what's written, that we do know that some of the uh, uh, members of the, the or should I say citizens or people in the country may not necessarily have access to healthcare, and we need to maybe clarify that. Uh, possibly the department is already clarified in their own mind, but it needs to be clarified more. Um, but more importantly for us is those people that are excluded, how, how, how do we make it easier for doctors um, to deal with such cases? Doctors do not have the luxury of turning away patients in need of care. And how do we deal with that? No information on what uh, the comprehensive health services benefits is. No one, I mean, we have dealt with various people that we've been sent to in terms of the department and we've asked the question, what are the comprehensive health service benefits that are envisaged by the NHI? And no one has been able to actually give us uh, that kind of detail. But the fund is given the responsibility of purchasing this for the, uh, for the entire country without having defined them. The registration of users, it is very difficult for us to see how the current capacity will cope with an additional administrative burden of registering all users on the IT system that would have to be extremely robust, but it's yet to be, it's yet to be developed. Again, maybe it's being developed, maybe it's there, maybe this is information that we need to be, uh, needs to be given out to the, to the public, but we haven't seen it. The recent registration for the vaccination is a case in point. SADA has been extremely involved in that whole process of registering particularly the um, healthcare practitioners from your dentist, your specialist, your assistant, your oral hygienist, your therapist. And it's not, it has not been a very good process. Quite honestly, we've gone through pillar to post at the beginning, but even when it was opened, we literally had to work through the system. It was not very easy. We are just raising this to say, if we are going to now look at 
uh, the whole populace of South Africa and registering them into some sort of a system, we're going to have to be better than what we are currently. Rights are limited in each patient's need to register with primary healthcare facilities as an entry point to the system. The patient, therefore, does not have a choice from what we see, which level to enter the system at. The reimbursement for services um, that are rendered by the healthcare practitioners. Price controls, particularly in the private sector, including a national price list which will uh, be published, seems to punish those healthcare professionals who do not follow the prescribed pricing list. Funds reserves the right to withdraw accreditation of a service provider if the service provider fails to adhere to the national pricing regimen for services delivered. In view of the scarcity of doctors, and specifically referring to dentists, it would not be a good strategy to freeze out doctors who do not stick to the NHI. So this is something that needs to be relooked at. Um, I think the committee, this committee uh, has had a uh, side of many research that has indicated that in South Africa currently, when it comes to dentistry, we don't have enough doctors to service the populace. Um, and, and I don't need to go into that details at the moment. The health service benefits coverage. No details on what services will be provided under the health service uh, benefit coverage as I indicated to properly provide detailed comments. So SADA is not able to assist in this, in, in this regard or is not able to really give comments. Benefits advice, the benefits advisory committee is anticipated to decide what the content of this package will be. No provision for public participation in this process, unless it's something that is envisaged by the uh, department and is going to be published at a later stage. And we are concerned that being the association that um, looks after uh, the majority of dentists in South Africa, we may be left out. And therefore, the ultimate package may be deficient, may not be adequate enough in terms of looking at what's happening in the country if there is no public participation. The NHI board, technical requirements of board members is of concern. Even medical schemes who manage smaller budgets have very strict requirements on trustees. We don't believe that the current um, requirements or technical requirements is adequate for such board members. And this needs to be looked at to ensure that we have fully qualified people that will actually, uh, through their decisions, make the NHI effective in its implementation. The stakeholder advisory committee, Health, healthcare professionals are not represented as stakeholders on the committee of 18. And not have a single healthcare practitioner, medical aid representatives, or any other medical expert as members. Surely this leaves a chunk of um, your important uh, stakeholders that could actually give benefits, could give value or add value to that uh, committee? Is this not something that needs to be looked at? The role of the provinces, despite, despite the collapse of Northwest Health, um, um, the collapse of the oncology in KZN, is, it is noted provinces retain the stewardship of public sector health facilities. The question is, how are we going to fix this so that we don't have some of these issues that we have just mentioned uh, repeat themselves during the NHI uh, implementation. The National Health Information Repository and Data System. State seems to be adamant that administration of the fund will be government 
run, and yet the IT component is outsourced to an independent data company. In our, in our mind, this is irrational. The irrational nature of such a proposal makes one wonder what the motives are for this outsourcing of the data uh, storage. And we also worry about the governance of that particular data when this is sit, uh, of, of, of uh, the populace of South Africa. There are bank details, there are everything um, that will be there when this is being held by a private uh, organization or a, pro a private company. The payment of services uh, to the healthcare pro uh, providers. The entire bill refers to specialists and everyone else. Once capitation-based model, uh, a remuneration model will have even worse consequences for general practitioners because changes in the number of people could mean drastic differences in workload without the doctor's remuneration being adjusted. And but, but what we are talking about here is that if we are going to use the, capita uh, the capitation model, how do we ensure, number one, that that one particular healthcare provider is not burdened by having to deal with the deluge of uh, patients going to their practices because they are easily accessible? Um, and, and, and making sure that if they look after a bigger number than what is provided for, how do we ensure that the capitation model is able to, to be flexible enough to then also change based on the numbers that the doctor is seeing? That concerns us. Um, we, when we, 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 we refer to the earlier model in the, in the UK with regards to the capitation model, we see that it was the patient, it was the population that ended up also suffering um, in the way that it was implemented. And we do take note that the department has looked at the model in the, in the UK and hopefully how they've improved on that model and also where it's still not working. Uh, in, in, in South Africa, we have doctors or dentists that are coming from the UK that have shared their experiences and how that model has not worked for them in, uh, and for the, for the populace in many, in many cases. I'm hoping and we are hoping, Asada, that you will look at this uh, and, and, and improve it drastically. Again, it is a decry from the association that had we been listened to, had, had, we, had we been really, really involved in this, we would have given more information on how certain things would look or should look like to be effective in terms of the oral health space. The NHI fund will effectively be a huge single-payer medical scheme with 25 times as uh, many members as Discovery. We are concerned that government may not have the necessary capacity to administer such a large scheme. And maybe in this case, uh, it might be necessary that a chairperson, uh, the department, rethinks the process of how this is implemented, um, the phases and the timing of the phases. And this could mean that we start with the people that are currently not receiving um, uh, coverage in terms of the medical aid uh, uh, bill and therefore not getting services. Make sure that those are covered. And we go on until when we are fully comfortable that the system is working, we can bring in everyone. But for us, we are more concerned about the current people that as we stand, stand at the moment, do not access healthcare services. Chairperson and the members of the committee, you would, you would, hopefully you would know that if you were to go to a public hospital looking for dental services, the majority of things that you would get there 
is either pain management or extraction. Mainly those are, is what you get. Yes, there is one or two, three hospitals that offer services, but the majority of dental services in our, in our public hospitals at the moment are not offered, not because we don't have qualified doctors, but because we don't have the, the, the required uh, equipment for the doctors to practice what they have learned in the uh, universities. The compensation fund is closest to the NHI fund. It fails to pay on time and manages to pay um, uh, uh, $2 billion. The NHI fund will manage over $200 billion, which is 100 times the compensation fund. And the bill is silent on the bureaucracy it, it will require to implement and to manage this uh, fund. And we've kind of alluded to this right at the beginning. As a membership organization, SADA is concerned about the uncertainty and anxiety that these vague aspects of the bill are generating amongst our members, dentists in training, and learners considering dentistry as a career. There's a deep-seated lack of faith amongst the profession, amongst the, the doctors, on the ability of the government structures to provide the financial support structures for quality services. SADA, despite this concern, uh, remains supportive of government and opportunities to work together to reform the healthcare system in a manner that will result in an improved access to quality, affordable care for all South Africans. We remain committed and is willing to offer its expertise and assistance to the NHI committees and working uh, groups in respect of oral health provisions in the NHI. We have done quite a few uh, work behind the scene, some of which we believe at the right time when we share with the right committees, when we are given that platform, it will, it will improve some of the issues that we have. But I think what is important is that we need to be listened to, is that we need to be roped in and taken seriously, which we believe in the past has not happened. Um, and you will see we've got letters that we've written in the past with regards to this indicating that we have not been involved, we have not been taken seriously in terms of our input into the process. Chairperson, I thank you. Okay, thank you for your presentation, Dr. Makubele and your team. Uh, I would now recognize uh, members of the portfolio committee who would like to ask questions. Let me just check on my list. Uh, I don't know, starting with the honorable, first one is honorable Dr. Jacobs, followed number two by honorable Munyai. The third one is honorable Kela. Any other one that I'm leaving behind? Honorable chairperson, I think uh, I'm the first one. I raised my hand as at uh, four minutes past four before Dr. Jacobs and uh, the rest that you mentioned. Please check up there. Yeah, question chair, please. 1604. Yeah, who, who was that? No, yours was 16, 1601. Hasina was 1600. Uh, so Kacha was 1600. Who then starts? Is it? A, yes. This presentation was done starting at half past uh, so the first person according to this list must be either Sokacha or Ismail. 
You can start you, with Ismail. I can follow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ismail, yeah, sorry, I read it further down. Ismail, you are number one. In fact, you should have been number two. Number two is Sokacha. Number three, a minute after you was Honorable Dr. Tembe Kwayo. Yes. Uh, four is Dr. Jacobs. Five, uh, Honorable Munai. Uh, six, Honorable Kela. And seven, Honorable uh, Harvard. Uh, Ismail, don't raise your twice. You came there as number one. Now, bring it. Are you making a follow-up now? Yes, Trey. <laughs> no, Trey, you didn't recognize us. You didn't recognize me first. You started from the bottom yeah. end. Therefore, I put an... I started in the middle, yes. I now go up and I see that your first one, first one was the Sokaja, but he's willing to take number two. You take first lot, honorable smile. Sokaja number two, Dr. Tembeguayo three, Dr. Jacobs four, honorable Munyai five, Kela six, Harvard seven. Thank you. In that order. Thank Another, you. Yeah. Thank you. Good afternoon and thank you for the presentation. So I understand from your presentation that the NHI bill does not adequately cover equitable access to dental health. My first question, in what way do you think the NHI will negatively impact your mandate? Two, have you submitted everything you want reflected on the NHI bill to reflect dental health at any point? And my last question, do you support the NHI bill as it is now? Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Also, just two uh, points of clarity from, from SADA. Um, <clears throat> the first one, Chair, is that Section 51 of the bill describes how the fund will be subjected to parliamentary accountability and the Auditor General of South Africa. Is, is it SADA's view that these processes are not adequate? And the last one, uh, Honorable Chairperson, is uh, how does SADA propose that equity in access for oral services can be improved, especially for the most marginalized populations? Thank you very much. Thank you, Chairperson. I've got only two questions. Uh, the first one is uh, I would like to have uh, you know more clarity on the resource informed approach and evidence based approach within NHI according according to them. And the second question uh, they mentioned that the minister's power there's there's too much power on the minister when it comes to the fund, specifically handling those billions uh, referring to, to the capturable government, as, as it, it was said. What is your suggestion and or amendment to this aspect? Thank you. Dr. Tebbe, why? What did you mean capturable? What is capturable? 
But that, that is exactly what was said. That is the term that was used when the presentation was done by the presenter. He, he, oh. he, he exactly mentioned the term and it was also in inverted commas, capturable government. Maybe he can also explain further what the capturable government is because that is his term. Thank you. Okay, okay. Dr. Jacob, sorry to disturb you. Uh, no, it's fine, Chair. Thank you very much, uh, Chair, for the opportunity. Now, I heard uh, the presenter also calling the NHI fund um, an SOE. And uh, I think I need to bring under his attention, his attention that the intention is to have this as a Schedule 3A uh, entity and that there are distinct differences between an SOE and a Schedule 3A entity. Um, I wouldn't want to, to, to give him all of the differences, but if he does not, if he's not fully aware, he could possibly raise that later, and I would give him an explanation of what these are. But I would guess that he is, and that if he is, that he could please explain uh, the difference between the two and why he thinks that uh, the NHI fund is purporting, uh, or the NHI bill is purporting the NHI fund to be an SOE. And then uh, my next question, Chair, is that uh, also with regards to what Sada has been saying about the, the bill being uh, indicating uh, and talking about the National Health Data Repository. Where in the bill does he, does he notice that the bill indicates that this repository will be outsourced to a private company? And if he could also indicate uh, which private company uh, and the details of that entity that he's talking about, if you can please maybe allude to that. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much, Honorable Chair. I want to ask uh, Sada uh, why the first question will be as follows. Are members of Sada not regulated under HPCA? Uh, the HPCA regulates more than 90 professional disciplines, including uh, oral health, uh, physiologists, mental health practitioners, optometrists, and also physiotherapists, etc. Does SADA expect each and each of the 90 disciplines to be measured individually in the bill? My second, my second question, Honorable Chair, will be as follows. Is SADA suggesting that quality must be compromised because of few dentists uh, that are in the country? Uh, can the presenter explain why in the, NH, in the NHS in the UK, a lot of South African dentists have been disqualified from practicing as a consequence or as a result of uh, quality challenges? How can we allow quality requirements not to be uh, prerequisite? Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, I've got only one question that I want to ask uh, Sada. Uh, Sada, why is uh, 
why is Sada alluding to the bill excluding oral or uh, dental health services? Do you regard uh, themselves outside the multidisciplinary teams and comprehensive health uh, package? Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. My uh, question for Sada, what type of reimbursement does Sada suggest for dental care at the primary care level? Thank you. Uh, Dr. Makubel and your team, I have three questions that I would like you to assist me with. Firstly, the one, uh, one is under the impression, it is a true impression that uh, doctors are given the status of leading the multi, within the multidisciplinary team of health, but they remain just a leader within the team. They don't make a comprehensive uh, work by themselves. Are you making a suggestion here in that uh, uh, you don't see them being part of the team, of the multidisciplinary team? Uh, are they supposed to be a standalone uh, outside the multidisciplinary team? Uh, you will have to correct me if that is the, uh, the impression that I have, which might be wrong, what you mean, because one's understanding that they are part of the team, given the status, they might be leading that team, but they don't remain the only people within that. The second question, I am not sure whether you are, compa- uh, maybe let me say it's not a fair comparison to look into my grandmother, my mother not being able to register for the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, if you don't look into a program that says, the Department of Health takes an opportunity to when they see Mrs. Mkweng coming in to be seen at a Soweto Chawelo clinic for hypertension treatment, then they register her fully uh, into the system uh, called Health Patient Registration System. That HPRS system uh, has now registered close to 40 million people uh, in the country, which part of that is another process to enable the success of NHI, but there shall be registration of all citizens. Now, I'm not sure whether you're not aware of that process, uh, but to say you can mark uh, an inefficient registration of citizens by this COVID-19 registration, one I think it's probably some of us would think that you are taking it too far because there is a process. Maybe why, sh- why should we ignore the process of registration that is up there and has successfully registered 40 million South Africans in the event there were to be an NHI tomorrow. It actually tells you that, yes, I am registered at Shawelo Clinic, but I will still have a challenge maybe if my clinic is not connected to Sivananda Clinic in KZM, something like that, but at least processes have started. Now you need just to help me to understand if you are uh, familiar with that process. Now, uh, the next one is, I would probably like you to indicate, uh, I don't know, I might have missed it, in the population of uh, dentists, how many uh, roughly are in the private sector compared to those in the private, public and private? 
uh, that would be of great assistance if you could help me. But can you probably uh, amend this uh, statement you made on your own? You say public sector does not have equipment for dentists. I, I would wish that you probably qualify that. I mean, you mean from Cape Town to Mosina, there are no equipment in all public facilities for dentists. Uh, I, I, I have not, uh, I don't think we could boldly make such a statement. Probably there's not sufficient or there is this, that, and the other. But just to have a, a bold statement that there are no equipments in all public facilities from Cape, from Cape Town up to Mosina in the Popo, in all public entities, no equipment for dentists, I would wish that the statement be qualified. Uh, I would probably make a follow-up depending on how uh, you make uh, your comments on these questions. May we then give you an opportunity to respond. Thank you, Chair. I admitted myself there and I did not realize it. Um, I have uh, the four other members of my uh, team, the delegation team, that will help me answer some of the questions. But I'm going to take a few and answer some of these questions, and then they, I will ask them if they want to add. Uh, I will start with, uh, uh, once I've spoken, I will ask Dr. Uh, Mr. Gavin, uh, then I will ask uh, Dr. Naidu to also add up. But let me try and answer most of the questions that have been raised. Maybe let me start from right at the end with what uh, the chairperson has, has spoken about. Uh, let me start with the issue of the equipment. I haven't stated, Chair, that all hospitals do not have dental equipment. In actual fact, my statement said, there are a few, one, two, three, we do know that there are a few that have got equipment, but the majority of the public hospitals, and this is, I'm sure this committee, uh, on, uh, this committee would be aware of this. And the, the ministry has also indicated this. The majority of our public sector hospitals do not have adequate dental equipment to a level that it leads our, uh, the, the dentists at the hospitals to really do what we call pain management and extractions. So in other words, extractions is part of what dentistry, dentists do. However, the first thing that you, don't, you want to do is to try and, um, and prevent to remove a tooth, because once a tooth is removed, it's removed. But majority of our dentists, that's what they do because they don't have the proper equipment at hospitals. I, we are in touch, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, the Chairperson, we are in touch with the people that are leaving uh, uh, universities, going into hospitals, and they tell us the experiences. Uh, and majority of them, uh, in actual fact, I'm, I, I can say, say this statement, majority of our, even our doctors that, that are doing ComServe, in that first year of ComServe, because of the lack of equipment, they tend to lose what they have learned at, hosp uh, at, at the universities because they can't practice it. 
um, which is opposite to what you find in the private sector, because as a private sector dentist, you need to have all the equipment, most of the equipment in your hospital in order for you to treat a patient. So all I'm saying is that is from our side, that's a concern that also needs to be looked at. But we, we, we see this as every time when it comes to health discussions, uh, our, our, our uh, colleagues, the medical doctors, seems to be prioritized some, somehow, and we don't understand why. When you go there, there is equipment for this, there is equipment for this, but the dental side seems to be an orphan of the health, um, uh, uh, of, of, of the health side of things. Yet, we play, and yet these professionals play a huge role. That's all I'm saying. So I'm, to correct that, I'm not saying that every single um, uh, hospital does not have. I actually can even, uh, uh, some of them, I can mention some of the hospitals that we know have got better equipment. We get this information regularly. We attend a meeting um, um, of, um, uh, uh, at the department of the health practitioners. So we get to know even what the provincial uh, coordinators are telling us what is available in their own provinces. On the second part, in terms of the medical doctors becoming, are we suggesting that medical doctors are not part of the team? No, that's not what we are saying. What we are saying is that when you look at the bill and the discussions around the bill, it would seem to us that medical doctors are the ones that seem to be recognized most of the time. Even when you look at the pilot project, if you look at what has happened in the pilot project, it was more the medical practitioners that were very much involved. But to answer your question, we do see every health practitioner as part and parcel of the multidisciplinary team. But then you need to recognize the unique contribution of each of the member of the of, of that particular team. But we just feel that maybe the way the bill has been drafted may seem to uh, uh, look or may, may seem to take the medical doctors a little bit higher than everyone else. That's our concern, but particularly for dentistry. When it comes to the... IT registration, I think we were just highlighting that when we go for implementation of the NHI, all we need to do is we need to be ready. Um, SADA has been very much involved in the Sisonke trial, uh, has been involved in a bit in the EVDS as well, and we know and we have experienced the issues that has occurred there, um, where systems were developed even later or, cl- or cleaned up later for for implementation at times when we started uh, implementing those systems because there were no pilot projects, it failed, some of it which the public may not be aware. All we are saying is, if we are going to implement the system appropriately, we need to start putting time frames and say this particular, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's there, a project management strategy to ensure that everything by the time things are implemented, it's a smooth running. So we, we're, not in, we're not saying it's not happening. I appreciate, Chair. For instance, I'm aware that even during the vaccination in, 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 in rural communities, I come from a, a village that's far from everything else. I'm aware that there's been community members that have gone and assisted 
um, our elderly to register. But I'm talking in terms of the particular infrastructure that we'll have to deal with so many millions being the, the populace of South Africa. I want to then deal with a question on where we stand with the bill. I think this was part of the first question. Um, I, I think I did in slide number three, but I will re re reiterate it. SADA overall is in support of a universal healthcare system. We do, however, in terms of the current bill, feel that the bill either lacks clarity or detail on some of the things and in some of the models that are chosen, like the one I spoke about, the capitation model chair. And maybe I need to speak about the capitation model if that's necessary. The capitation model. The capitation model, we don't believe as it stands at the moment is going to actually assist um, the objectives of the bill. Um, there was a question on the services. If you go through the bill, you will realize, Chair, and the members of this committee, that particularly when it comes to the medical side of things, they tend to list quite a few um, things that need to be covered. And what we are saying is when it comes to oral health, I'm not so sure whether maybe the drafters of the bill did not have someone that understand dentistry enough or uh, it is something that was excised from the final bill, I don't know. It does not list, it does not list the services. And our concern is of, the, of oral health, our concern is we've just indicated in our presentation, things that makes us sick, they come through the mouth, majority of them. And through the, on the mouth, we can already diagnose and we can tell if a person is suffering from certain diseases which are systemic. systemic. So it is important that dentistry is well covered if we are going to reach the objective of the NHI. Question on equity. Um, access to, uh, uh, if I understood this question, uh, how do we reach equity? equity for people to access oral health care. It's again through the universal health care system, but then you need to make it work for the populace of South Africa. And what we are saying is it's important that right at the beginning, when we implement this, let's have detail, let's have understanding, let's have phases. Let us not, in our mind, we say maybe we should not rush to cover everyone that is already covered. Well, let's really look at how we deal with that. But maybe for us to start to get equity, let's look at the people that currently are suffering because they are not covered by NHI and cannot go and see a dentist or cannot go and see a, a specialist doctor or whatever the case may be. As you cover those people, then you can start to bring the other people in. Of course, that will also mean that we have to rethink the model of funding of that particular thing because I think one of the biggest uh, encouragement or the biggest impetus of why every single person, including those who buy these services uh, from the private sector medical schemes, to be brought together in one is to help fund each other. So it, we'll have to relook really at that. But I would have, we would have assumed and would have liked to see 
the people that are suffering as we stand be covered first, and then we start going, and we will also get the time to learn um, through the through that implementation, and with a smaller number, hopefully, and we go on until we reach what whatever the outcome is it that we want. But we would have started there, and that's how we see. If you can take all people that are not covered currently and you put them into the system, that already helps the country because everyone has got access, and you leave those who are able to pay for their private uh, coverage. Let them pay if they can afford it. I, I, I mean, we can discuss this, but that's one of the suggestions that we have made. Um, we, when we talk about the capturable, state, capturable um, uh, 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 governance in this case, is when you have uh, you have a you, you put powers in few people, the likelihood of them driving that process the way they want, the way they feel, whether it's correct or not correct, the risks are quite high in there. So our suggestion is we need to really look at that particular governance of the NHI. One, to ensure that not the powers are not left in a few people, but it's broad and it is checked. So we need to give enough uh, 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 terms and conditions. We need to give enough protection in the in, in the governance and in the decision making. But maybe linked to that, um, there was a question. Um, if I can quickly go there, there was a question. Okay, I'll I'll get to that. I, I can't see, I can't quickly put it on. So, but that, that's what we would suggest we look at. Make sure that the governance part of it is strong. Yes, I remember the question. The, the, the question. I think the, 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 the member of the committee who asked about qualification, are we is Sada suggesting that we must not have, we must, we must compromise quality and not have qualifications and, 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 and. I think they misunderstood what Sada is presenting. Sada is actually saying the opposite. We are saying currently when we look at the technical qualification that is required of the members of the various committees, it's not strong enough. We need to make that even more stronger to ensure that the quality of decisions and therefore the quality of the offering of the NHI is, 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 um, is strengthened. Yes, we are part of the HPCSA, but again, if you go through the, the bill, majority of those 90 disciplines that you refer to, well, not the 90 disciplines, but majority of the, 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 the main disciplines that fall under the HPCSA, they are mentioned quite often in the, in the bill. They are mentioned. And even when the pilot project was started, they were mentioned specifically by name or by profession. But dentistry was not, and that's what we are decrying. We are not saying uh, treat SADA as a special project, but what we're saying is understand the importance of dentistry. It is more important than many people actually understand. But also, if you are going to make sure that the people of South Africa get quality coverage and service, 
dentistry cannot be left out. And therefore, we should have been very prominent in the, in, in the deal. We should have been prominent in the pilot project. We have not been. We have not been. Um, I think, uh, Chair, if you allow me, uh, okay, the, the issue of the repository, um, and I take, I take notice um, to one member of the, uh, of the committee who spoke about the, 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 the scheduled, uh, scheduled different of the fund. Um, I take notice of that. Thank you for that. I don't need to go into that detail. We don't necessarily disagree. But what I was talking about when I, I speak about the repository, Chair, Maybe I, I've, I'm just assuming that everyone understands. If you are going to plan for, let's look specifically for oral health work and dentistry, the country needs to understand, number one, what is the biggest problem that our, our people are facing in South Africa? In terms of, the, let's look at dentistry alone. What is the most prevalent disease amongst our people? And at what age? I'm saying that we don't have that in this country. Other countries have got. It's called uh, the burden of disease. How? And you have one that says the burden of disease in the whole of South Africa is this. But when you go per province, KZN may have a different uh, picture. Uh, Houten might have a, a different picture. Once you have that, it helps you in how you plan your services. And we're saying that the bill is silent on this. We as the association have actually engaged with the department and they, are, they have acknowledged that this is an issue. But we haven't seen anything happening to address this particular issue. Secondly, in terms of the repository, we are already giving information to uh, the government and CMS has got access to that in terms of what we call ICD-10 for every single treatment, if I can call it that way, or procedure that is done by a dentist through the ICD-10. However, that information that is supposed to help South Africa and help the NHI to plan better, that will also help them to plan in terms of allocation of funds and everything else is going into, according to us, into a, a dark hole. Uh, chairperson, and that is worrying us, that things that should be helping the NHI today, the NHI should be able to speak when it comes to the operational side, to say when it comes to dentistry, these are the key issues, these are the key problems that the populace of South Africa is facing, and therefore we're going to make sure that this is, we allocate enough money towards these particular diseases. We don't have that in South Africa. We don't, yet we do have the system and we can start the system, and we can clean the system. Currently, SADA, for instance, is engaged with the department and engaged with CMS to say, but why are we being forced to give this information, yet nobody wants to give us the feedback? No one is collecting the data and feedback to the profession to say, if you want to plan for, for next year, it looks like this, this particular disease, oral disease, is higher. Therefore, make sure that your equipment and your planning is around that, which is what the NHI um, uh, requires. I'm going to hold here, Chair, if you allow me quickly, and I'm going to ask, oh, sorry, the, 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 maybe the last question I want to deal with is the question of the UK uh, disqualification. Chair, um, I don't have an answer for um, what the member has indicated that um, many South, Africa, South Africans are disqualified 
in the UK, uh, and I should give an answer as to why I don't have. Uh, they're not our members. Um, they will obviously be members of the British Dental Association, I suppose. Uh, but that's something that, if need be, we can find out. So I don't have the answer to that. Um, if, if you're talking about South Africa, I will be able to speak to that because I fully, we fully understand the landscape in South Africa. Uh, all I was referring to if, in terms of the UK was that there has been problems with the implementation of the UK um, NHS system. But in certain places, they have plugged in, they have plugged in um, the problems. So all I was saying is that I hope we are, there will be a learning from that perspective, particularly in dentistry. Because again, even in the UK, they made some ish, they made some mistakes when they implemented the dental side of things. And please hear me out, Chair. And here's other out. We are here and we're not saying the bill as it is, everything is wrong. We said because of the limited time, let's highlight the issues that we believe need to be still improved. And we have offered ourselves to say if we can be, if we are engaged in all levels, we will give information. We have even spent money behind. Um, everything else in terms of uh, some, some good research that the country does not have, that Africa does not have. And we will share that information as time goes on. We, so we are willing to, to, to make it happen. We are willing to help the process, but we cannot help the process. And we thank this particular uh, this platform that we have today with you, Chair, and with this committee. And that's what we want to see more. So we can give more information. I don't think today in this committee we can give all the operational issues, but we can actually uh, deal directly with the various committees if we're given that chance and we can improve the outcome of NHI, particularly when it comes to oral health side of things. Allow me, Chair, to quickly ask, um, um, and I see the same, but if you allow me so that I have not left other questions unanswered, I'm going to ask Dr. Mr. Gavin, and after Mr. Gavin, uh, Dr. Naidu, to please just quickly add to the questions that have been raised. Mr. Gavin, if it's through you, Chair. Um, thank you, CEO, and thank you to the Chair. Good afternoon. Um, I think one of the questions that was raised um, by one of the committee members was um, the question around parliamentary accountability or parliamentary oversight. Now, clearly, I think with due respect to members of this committee as well as to uh, Parliament, Parliament's uh, past records of parliamentary oversight is nothing but disappointing, and you must admit that. I mean, the, its current oversight of SOEs leads, uh, needs a lot to be desired in terms of that. We do understand the difference between SOE and the Schedule 3A entity. I think perhaps the CEO might have um, uh, inadvertently indicated that. We are aware of the differences in that. Um, and then there was another question regarding evidence and resource-based approach. Now, there may be well be that the committees working on NHI might have done some research apart from just looking at overseas models, but we are asking as to what type of research has been conducted insofar as the South African local conditions are concerned and the extent to which the NHI framework is workable for the South African uh, conditions. There has been very little uh, interaction with the stakeholders, namely, I suppose, some of the bigger entities or associations representing some of the professions. But insofar as the Dental Association is concerned, there has been very little interaction with us as one of the stakeholders in this process. And therefore, 
we may or may not be aware of some of the workings of the various committees behind the scenes. I think um, that's all, CEO, for now. Um, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Naidu. If I've left anything else. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Mukbele. I think, uh, Chair, through you, if I could add perhaps just one point of clarity regarding the distribution of dental services in terms of the equipment. Certainly in some provinces, uh, they are very efficient uh, hospitals and so forth, having very, very adequate dental services and equipment, especially where there are dental schools available. Certainly in the Western Cape, in Kauteng, uh, uh, there's, there's more than adequate, and I might be missing out just one or two more. But certainly in other provinces where there are no dental schools or dental schools that are minimalistic in nature, there is a gross shortage of services. If you look at oral cancer, for example, oral cancer is treated in a big way within dentistry. Dentists are responsible for diagnosing the pre-malignant lesions and oral cancer. We have very little services in the majority of provinces. So I think uh, it's fair to say that in some areas there's sufficient equipment, but there is also a gross shortage of equipment in other areas and personnel. So to add clarity, I think it was the chair that asked that question. Some areas, sufficient equipment, other areas need more equipment. I think that's uh, all I would add. Thank you very much, sir. Um, chair? Uh, uh, just one more clarity. Um, I saw Dr. Osman I wanted to add something and then we will get, we will then revert to you. Uh, Dr. Osman? Hello. I noticed that uh, Honorable Munai would like to come in now. Would you want to come in now, Honorable Munai, or after they've responded again, or you want to make a follow-up now? I would appreciate if I do now, Honorable Chair. Uh, the, the question that I want to put forward, uh, as SADA, your submission, for instance, is uh, diametrically opposed or opposite uh, to the submission made by your regulator and the dental academic sector. Is there a possibility that members of SADA feel threatened that they might not be able to make the exorbitant uh, profits that they are making if the status quo remains. And the second one is that, um, um, one, you said that, uh, you know, the, you are not taken serious. Uh, I think this was reflected by the CEO. You said you're not taken serious. Uh, where in the bill it's indicated that you're not taken serious. And the other confusion, another issue, not confusion, I assume the SADA understand the policy formulation that the bill now is before Parliament, not before the Department of Health. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. I will let Dr. Osman speak. Maybe you can even deal with those. Chair, having a follow-up, if you allow uh, me. Hold on. Let me. Let me just finish. There are four uh, other follow-ups here. I noticed 
a follow-up of Honorable Taylor and another follow-up of Honorable Dr. Jacobs. Chair, can I continue? Can I proceed? Continue. Thank you. Uh, my follow-up question: Can the presenter explain why he is alluding to NHI being the same as COIDA? Can the SADA indicate where these two uh, funds will be the same? Would he agree that the NHI will be using a strategic purchasing value-based uh, contracting using uh, alternative reimbursement strategies that is the different from the fee uh, for service and is used to reimburse a provider? Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, that we can do our follow-up questions. I have three questions very quickly. Uh, the one is how, if Sarah can explain how their members manage undocumented migrants at the moment who he say are not catered for under the NHI. Uh, just in quoting him that he said, don't the doctors don't have the luxury to turn patients away? And... Uh, my next question is whether the presenter is certain that oral health was not part of the pilot uh, projects uh, which were prioritized. So, uh, according to my understanding, oral health was prioritized in the pilots. And uh, whether it's noticed that school health uh, program uh, also included uh, oral health services for learners. And uh, <coughs> We think that it was one of the critical programs delivered and uh, whether he agrees with that statement. And then very lastly, um, does the presenter realize that the department is the custodian of ICD-10 codes and not the Council for the Medical Schemes? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, the team will not have more than eight minutes to respond. We have to start this uh, new presentation at five o'clock. So please... I noticed that you have had another half a dozen of questions, but uh, you then have to uh, quickly answer them. It was at five o'clock, we will put this presentation to a close. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I'm gonna um, allow Dr. Osman to answer and he can deal with some of the follow-up questions. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thank you for the opportunity, uh, honorable members. My, my response was regarding the question of the NHS. Sarah's position is that we do not say that um, we do not agree with the concept of universal health coverage. We just want to implore the committee that they should look at the existing um, research has been done in, in overseas where they've implemented the system, specifically the NHS. Recently in the last few months, around March, April, Dental visits, there was a waiting list of four to five years being reported on the NHS system. So our objective, our mission, our objective here is to make sure that when this when this is implemented, there is a strategy in place. And we, as the Association of Dental Practitioners, having the experience and the knowledge and understanding of the finer workings of the oral health uh, spectrum, 
are able to give our input and make sure that it is something that is sustainable. Having implementation is one thing, but it must be something that is sustainable. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. I'm gonna conclude um, since the time is out. Let me start with the questions around exorbitant fees. I have to address this because the speaker make, makes the question and makes a statement as if it's fact. And I want to indicate clearly that dentistry, and you can do research in South Africa, at the moment is struggling. We don't make exorbitant fees as the uh, speaker agree, uh, alludes to. In actual fact, on the other hand, dentistry tend to uh, subsidize the patient, and I'll explain why. Of all the health professions at the moment, dentistry has got so many laws and regulations that have been put um, that we have to comply with and we have to pay money to actually uh, 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 get the compliance right. As you would understand, and I'm gonna make it very easy. If you are a, doc, a medical doctor, you open your, your, your surgery, you have your stethoscope, you've got the bed, you've got one or two other small equipment, you can actually see a patient charge whatever you charge, put a script and they have to, to go out and, and get the, 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 the medication from a, a pharmacy. Dentistry is different. When you come into a, 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 you come to a surgery, they have to actually do everything um, from diagnosis to treatment because they're not going to refer you somewhere else. That's what we do. You have to be dealt with at that space. And therefore, we buy lots of expensive equipment. It's not just a, what do you call it, a, a room with a stethoscope, maybe with a, pro, a probe there and there. So we don't make uh, money. And I, I, I would implore the, the members of this committee to study the. Um, uh, the cost and profitability of dental uh, surgeries in South Africa. Many dental surgeries are closing as we speak. So we're not making exorbitant fees and I do not want members to go from, uh, of this committee to go with that notion that we make uh, money. On the second part, <clears throat> the HPCSA is exactly that, it's a regulator. Their views are not necessarily the views of its members. So if, if in, in some of our presentation, um, we are diametrically up, uh, uh, opposed, um, which I still have to look at. It, let it be, because we understand what happens on the grassroots level of dentistry, and we're speaking about dentistry. The HPSA is speaking about the umbrella um, view of what is happening, and we may meet in many in many occasions. But Sada is speaking at what is happening at the grand grassroots level. At the end of the day, the people that are going to be treating the patients under NHI will not be HPCSA, but it will be the members of the HPCSA, such as dentists. So it's important that we, we look at that. And the last speaker, I acknowledge that, yes, the school were included, um, but I must tell you that that particular project in itself, again, because of the the lack of input from dentistry, as much as you might, you might have come and said it was successful, I can give you a different story on why it could have been even better. But unfortunately, because the consultation and the bringing together of everyone was not strong enough at that pilot level, um, it did not achieve what it should have really achieved. Chair, I know the time is, is over, so I thank you. Okay, thank you, Dr. Makumele. We wish you could have stayed longer. Uh, you probably 
And, um, sometimes you need to actually spend less time in explaining who you are than what you want us to do with NHI because that is what matters most to us as to what we do want us to consider as your inputs on the process of the NHI. I think uh, sometimes if you expand too much about who you are and who you are not, then we miss out this gist of what was meant to be. Uh, you see the number of questions that are coming in in the last are the ones that were directly talking to the NHI and SADA. But thank you very much. We will continue engaging with you if we need to. Uh, now that we know you, we have seen you, and uh, we will then uh, be interacting with you continuously. Thank you for your input. Your last comment? Um, Chair, our, our, our appreciation to this committee um, for having allowed us to come and give this type of input and engage with you. And all we are saying is, this is the country, not for parliament only, but the country for, the, for everyone else. And SADA is there every step of the way to assist. And if we are called upon to assist in any way, we will be there. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, as they are logging out or staying in the platform, if they so wish, they are invited. Can we invite them? Presentation from Professional Progressive Forum. I think I'm calling them right. Or PPF. PPF have, in, have shown an interest to want to engage with us, and uh, we would like to give them the platform to make a presentation on the NHI and their concerns or their comments as a PPF. You will have a PPF uh, 45 minutes to make your presentation. And thereafter, the, the members will interact with your presentation. Uh, feel free to introduce your members and then start. Uh, thank you, Chairperson Honorable Dr. Glomo. Um, we really appreciate the opportunity to present our position on NHI to you. Can I check? Am I loud and clear? I'm assuming that's a yes. Yes. Um, yes. My name is Kashif Wickham. I'm the president of the Progressive. Professionals Forum. I'm based in Cape Town in the Western Cape. Um, the delegation is, uh, and I'm joined by Dr. Honors Mukari, who is our NHI national convener. Um, Dr. Honors has got 10 years public sector experience and is a qualified medical doctor from Adunsa. I'm also joined by Dr. Cynthia Sateka, who I think you can see her, who is also a doctor, but is also a specialist in hand and microsurgery which is in the USA and Beijing, and has got more than two decades of public sector experience, both in the Popo and at Barakwanath Hospital. I'm also joined by Nkinsan Tebuli from Limpopo, who's a registered psychologist and has been the chief psychologist for the National Defense Force and for the police services, and currently works in the Limpopo legislature. I paint this picture because I want to present to the committee that in as much as the PPF is a organization of, of multidisciplinary professionals, the team that we have here before you um, has got both, both public and private sector uh, medical um, experience. Uh, Chairperson, I'm not going to go into much detail about who the PPF is, but to emphasize that the PPF was formed in 2013, as we felt that the professional and the middle class of South Africa is not contributing as much and as often as it should towards um, building this country we call South Africa. We felt that the middle class and professionals, intelligentsia and entrepreneurs are the most removed 
from the state, yet it is the professionals in intelligentsia and entrepreneurs that benefited most from the progressive transformation policies of, of, of our government. And so we've organized ourselves as an advocacy group, one, to assist the state where it is doing well, two, to guide the state where we believe it can do better, and three, to be the, the advocacy group which put forward the progressive voices of our country. In 2019, a chairperson, the PPF, at its own, with its own energy and cost, transversed the country and held seven public hearings across five provinces at which 600 healthcare professionals attended to speak to and workshop the NHI bill. What is going to follow, chairperson, will be the outputs of those uh, public hearings. What is going to follow is going to be what we believe the NHI can do better. We must emphasize, chairperson and honorable members, that the PPF supports and recognizes the importance of the introduction of the National Health Insurance Bill. We believe that the introduction of the bill is in line with Section 27 of the Constitution, which advocates for the right to free quality healthcare service to the citizens of South Africa. The emphasis even the debate. The Constitution demands of us, and demands of government to do so. We believe that when the bill is implemented, it will transform the current two-tier health system into an integrated and unified single healthcare system. We believe that NHI is the biggest transformation program of the health system since the end of apartheid, and certainly will probably be the most complex system that the South African government will implement. We know that, that the South African government was rolling out uh, mass-based housing, electricity, and water to all, but we believe that NHR is going to probably be one of the most complex systems around. The PPF position and recommendations of the bill is a summation of the inputs of these public engagements. To go into greater detail on what aspects of the bill we endorse and what aspects of the bill we need, we believe need improvements on chairperson, I'm going to hand over to Dr. Onus Mukhari, who has really been very passionate about this and has been driving this particular exercise of the Progressive Professional Forum of the past two years or so. So I hand over to Dr. Anas Bukhari, and I will go on silent right now. And in, during Q&A time, we will, amongst the four of us, uh, field the questions as they come from the Portfolio Committee. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Members. Thank you very much, uh, uh, our President of the PPF. And thank you for an opportunity, uh, Honorable uh, Chairperson of, of, the, of, of the session. I would like to take off from where uh, our President has, has done, given the introduction and the background. If you'll allow me, Chairperson, I can share a screen of our presentation. Our presentation has already been, 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 been sent to the Portfolio Committee. But if you can allow me, I can, and can, I can share the screen so that we can make our presentation. Yes, you can share, Dr. Mukar. Thank you. Perfect. 
Thank you very much, uh, uh, Honorable uh, uh, Chairperson. Uh, the background of PPF has already been given. What I'm going to do, uh, to do Chairperson, is to confirm our endorsement of the of the NHIS PPF, and to be able to go through our consents and certain sections of the bill, where we have to to pass through our comments and our recommendation, as um, as 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 part of 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 the inputs that have been made by other fellow professionals and other healthcare associations that we have engaged with in 2019. The PPF endorses the objectives of the NHI bill, particularly that this NHI funding system will ensure quality health access for all South Africans, irrespective of their socioeconomic status. We view the NHI bill as a system intended to ensure that the use of health services does not result in financial risk to the people, and it seeks to ensure universal health coverage for all, based on health needs and not availability, not, and not affordability. The PPF is also encouraged by the principle of social solidarity, Ubuntu, and social justice in the bill, where there is cross-subsidization across all sectors of society rich and poor, young and old, employed and unemployed, the physically abled and people with disabilities. The PPF supports the purpose of the NHI bill, which is to establish and maintain an NHI fund, which will buy health services on behalf of the population from both accredited private and public healthcare service providers. Through strategic purchasing as a single purchaser and a single payer of healthcare services, the NHI fund will ensure the equitable and fair distribution and use of healthcare services. This equity and fair distribution of healthcare services will, further, will be further enhanced by section 33 of the NHI bill about the role of medical medical schemes in the NHI. The PPF fully supports the fact that once NHI has been fully implemented, medical schemes must only offer complementary cover to services not reimbursed by the fund. This will ensure that the state comply with its constitutional obligation of right to free quality healthcare for all, irrespective of socioeconomic status. About 80% of the country GDP is spent on healthcare services. Of this, almost 4% is spent in the private health sector, which services only 16% of the population. And the other 4% is spent in the public health sector, which services 84% of the population. This is an anomaly that is not sustainable. And as PPF, we believe that the NHI system is the only solution. The PPF has certain concerns about the implementation of the NHI. This is the concerns that has been raised by professionals at, of different, at different sectors of the health sectors and, and other professionals 
in other sectors. We are not going to go through this consensus at this stage. We'll move into the next slide, which indicates the consensus as has been raised above and in relation to the sections, sections of the draft bill. You'll allow us to talk to these particular sections, uh, uh, Chairperson. Our first concerns is the poor infrastructure and lack of capacity. Our interest section in the bill is section 39, subsection 2A, which indicates that health establishments is to be certified by the Office of Health Standard Compliance. We believe that the concerns of poor infrastructure and lack of capacity is not the concerns of professionals only. Generally, generally, people, generally there is doubt in terms of whether NHI can be implemented in the current state of the infrastructure and the lack of capacity, in particular, the public uh, 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 health sector. Our emphasis on this bill is that it's our belief that the Office of the Health Standard Compliance should be reinforced and empowered to ensure, to play the role that it's supposed to play which is to measure and to make assessments or inspections of the current facilities so that they comply to a particular standard. The, 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 the compliance standards, primary aim is to ensure that when those particular facilities, which are for poor standards, improves in order to improve the infrastructure, and improve the capacity. Our understanding of that compliance, uh, of, of the Office of the Compliance, that it's not only infrastructure, but is the holistic uh, capacity of the, of, of the facilities. That the guidelines of the Office of the Health Compliance Standard looks at things like uh, patient safety, uh, patient care, clinical care, facilities, equipment. It's our belief that when the Office of the Health Compliance Standard can do its work or play its role in terms of assessing those facilities and be able to provide the measure in terms of the level of compliance, that will go a long way to prepare those facilities. Because for the facilities to be accredited, they have to be certified first. Our concern here is that the NHI fund runs a danger of the, 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 the NHI bill becoming law, while the, the capacity and the infrastructure of the facilities is not ready. So it's our view as PPF that that office of the compliance becomes consolidated and strengthened. And at local level and at provincial level, those public healthcare facilities should be assessed, should be inspected, and should be graded in terms of their level of preparedness to be accredited, to be, to, be, to be certified. Our second concern, uh, uh, Honorable Chairperson, is the inequality and imbalance between the rural and urban healthcare facilities. Our, our section of interest in the bill 
is that uh, is section 2A, which indicates that the purpose of the NHI is to ensure the equitable and fair distribution and use of healthcare services. To, to be able to attain that equity in terms of the public and the private healthcare, our appeal or the concern is that it, it, that equality should start at the bottom. When you, there, is a, there is inequality at the moment between, private, between rural and urban health sectors. And even when you go first to the rural, even at the rural level, there is also inequality between host facilities that were in the former homelands and facilities that were during the apartheid time classified as wise only facilities. So we believe that in the implementation of the NHI, that's where equality should begin, at that level. Whereby in the rural areas, we look at equalizing access and quality of healthcare between the former hospitals or facilities that were based in the former homelands and facilities that were based in the, in the former white only areas. If you come to the urban areas, we believe that there's also inequality between hospitals that are based in the townships and hospitals that are based in the sub-urban areas. Our submission is that in the implementation of, of the NHI, much as the bigger picture is to ultimately establish a, 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 a a unified and integrated single national healthcare system. It's our submission that at those levels, let's equalize first. Let there be equity first between the hospitals that are based in the townships and the hospitals that are based in the, in the, in the, in the, in the sub-urban areas. If the equity, our submission that equity must not only focus at the top, but must start from the bottom and the priority in terms of implementation must start there. Our next concern, uh, Honorable Chairperson, is that the bill makes no provision for the role of traditional healers, traditional medicines, and religious leaders. Our, the, the sections of interest that talks to our concern here, uh, Chairperson, is 37 subsection 1a and section 37 subsection 2. Section 37 about the provision of primary care services that is rendered by a contracting unit of the for the primary health care services, which is such as health prevention, health promotions, creative treatment, rehabilitation, and so on. And section 37.2 talks about the composition of those contracting units, which indicates the district hospitals, the clinics, the general practitioners or other uh, 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 healthcare professionals, and the, 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 the community uh, health centers and wide-based outreach teams. It doesn't, the services that have to be rendered for primary healthcare are also services that will force within the practice of the traditional healers and traditional traditional medicine uh, uh, practitioners. 
such as homeopaths. And we know that at the local level, at the primary healthcare level, our people use this uh, uh, healthcare, uh, traditional, uh, traditional healers and, and traditional, med 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 traditional medicine practitioners. So, but the bill does not include them. So it's our submission as PPF that the, the traditional healers together with tra other traditional medicine practitioners should be included in the bill as part of primary healthcare service providers. Our next uh, uh, concern, uh, Honorable Chairperson, is the registration of users and the reloc relocation and interprovincial travel of users of the of the of, of, of the system. Honorable Chair, we agree with section 7.2, with, with section 7, subsection 2, which 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 indicates that the users have to, 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 to use healthcare services from healthcare service providers or health establishments where they are registered. We agree with that uh, 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 subsection. We also agree with the, with the provision of the portal entry in case of the users are not able to, to consult at, at the points where they are registered. This will cater for, 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 for situations like when users have to travel to different provinces and they have to access healthcare services. So we, we, we support and agree that there is that provision for a portal entry. But our submission, uh, 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 Honorable uh, Chairperson, is that uh, uh, either in the bill or in the policy uh, uh, um, formation, Guidelines should, should be very clear in, in terms of, um, of uh, 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 especially in, 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 in local areas, because it is our view that it can be open for, 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 for abuse, the portal entry. A person can be registered in a particular sub-district sub or a district, and they can use that portal entry to access to access the system, even if they are not registered in that particular uh, service provider or, or, or health establishment. So all we are saying here is that let the guidelines be clear in terms of even the radius as to where can you can users uh, uh, make use of the provision of the por portal entry. We agree in terms of interprovincial travel, but all we are saying is that in terms of local provision for that portal entry. It can be uh, open for, 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 for abuse. Our next uh, uh, point of concern, Honorable Chairperson, is the point of entry into the NHI system during the emergency cases. In this, we, we want to comment on section seven, subsection two, which emphasizes that the user must first access the healthcare services at the primary healthcare level as the entry point into the NHI health system. And as PPF, we agree that the gatekeeping should be kept at that level of the primary healthcare level. But when we go through the bill, we feel that the bill doesn't make a provision in terms of emergencies. The bill emphasizes the use of referral pathways which we also 
agree with that there will be referral pathways through the primary health healthcare entry. But our, our concern here is that in terms of emergencies, how, how, how will an, an emergency have to go through the pathways of a primary health care in order to get an urgent attention? It's our submission that during the policy formations or as part of the bill, let there be a, a, a clarity in, in terms of how will emergency access the system other than accessing the system through the primary health care entry as is stipulated in the bill. Uh, Mr. Mukari, I do feel that you will not finish because you don't stick to a presentation. You don't speak to the presentation. You are raising other issues, expanding what is in the presentation. Now, that may just compromise your timing. Why don't you stick with what you have there and read what is there rather than to expand outside what we have put on the on your on your document? Thank you very much uh, for your for your for, for your for, for, for your for your indulgence, uh, um, uh, honourable chairperson. Uh, we, we will do that. Our next concern is the NH that NHI is vulnerable to to corruption, and we are encouraged by the the the, the sections. Uh, in the in the bill that addresses the issues that will of governance in particular that will mitigate against the, uh, 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 the vulnerability, and our comment and recommendation is that chances of collusion between service providers, users, and other stakeholders make the system to be more vulnerable to corruption. Governance, accountability, oversight, and consequence management will be very important to mitigate the risk of corruption. Best practices from other countries with national health coverage may assist in this regard. Our next concern, Honorable Chairperson, is the timeframes for the implementation of NHI and the improvement of infrastructure for certification and accreditation. Uh, here, uh, we have highlighted section 27.2 of the constitution, which indicates that the state must take reasonable legislative measures within its available resources to achieve the progressive realization of the right of access to healthcare services. Our comment in this regard, Honorable Chairperson, as informed by the constitutional requirement, is that the current phase in the implementation of NHI is for the bill to become an act of parliament. Thereafter, it is, it is certification by the Office of Health Standard Compliance and accreditation by the NHI Fund. Our submission is that the implementation of the National Quality Improvement Plan, is supposed to be improved and to be ahead of these processes. It is important to ensure that when the bill is passed in parliament, most of the public facilities are already certified by the Office of Health Standard Compliance and just waiting to be accredited by the NHI fund. Our next concern, is human resource and the training of primary healthcare workers. This is informed by section 37, subsection one, which talks about the provision of, 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 of services at primary healthcare level. And our comment and recommendation is that many healthcare professionals will be needed to participate, especially at the primary healthcare level, which is the point of entry into the NHI health system. 
continuous engagement and education on NHI amongst healthcare service providers and all stakeholders is important for the success of the system. Challenges of the nursing profession training at colleges and universities should be resolved with the Department of Education so that more nurses are trained. Our next concern, Honorable Chair, is the reinvestment of healthcare service providers. This is informed by Section 41 and, and Section 41, Subsection 3, which, 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 which indicates that an accredited primary healthcare service provider must be contracted and remunerated by a contracted unit for primary healthcare. The bill is specific in terms of remuneration mechanism for specialists and hospital services, which will be based on health service, uh, uh, services performed. This is covered by section 43, subsection 3B. The bill is also specific for emergency medical services, which will be on a kept case-based fee basis. This is covered by section 41, subsection 3C. Yet, the bill is non-specific in terms of remuneration for accredited primary health care service providers. The bill should indicate whether it will be service performance-based or risk-adjusted capitation in order to bring certainty to the primary health care service providers. This uncertainty can bring a sense of income security to, 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 to bring a sense of this uncertainty can bring a sense of income insecurity to primary service providers, which can result in a negative attitude towards the national health insurance system and what it seeks to achieve. The next uh, concern is the role of, uh, of general practices in its current form, which is solo practices. This is informed by section 39, subsection two and section 39, subsection subsection seven, which talks about the compliance of, of health of, 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 of health care service providers to comply with allocation of the appropriate number and mix of healthcare professionals. And that the fund may withdraw or refuse to renew the accreditation of the appropriate if the appropriate number and mix of healthcare professionals are not complied with. Our submission is that the bill must be clear on the guidelines for the number and the mix of healthcare professionals and whether all health disciplines must be included in the mix of the professionals. The bill, our, pro, our, our, our recommendation is that the, let the bill can consider a phased in approach to allow healthcare providers to prepare for the transformation and the transition from the current solo practices to the mixed type NHI compliant practices. Administration of the NHI fund. Here we are referring to NH, section 29, which we agree with the chairperson that the NHI fund is established as an autonomous public entity as contained in the Schedule 3A of the Public Finance Management Act. Our submission is that the bill must be very clear 
that the NHA fund will be publicly administered and will not be outsourced to the private sector. This will ensure that all available resources will only be allocated towards healthcare needs of the population. Our next concern is the lack of public communication about the NHI. This is about the bill itself. And our submission is that a good communication strategy is important to forge relations with civil societies and all sectors of the population. The, the public and most professionals do not trust NHI because of a lack of information and uncertainty. The PPF recommends active civil society participation and public education to create public awareness on NHI. Our concern is, next concern is the management and allocation of healthcare services for primary health care by contracting units. Section 37, subsection one and two speaks about the provision of primary health care services uh, by, uh, uh, and, and what it comprises of. It comprises of district hospitals, clinics, community health care centers, ward-based outreach, outreach teams, private health care service providers, and uh, organized in a particular geographical sub-district sub area. Our submission is that the bill is not clear in terms of how the contracting unit will work and allocate services to the different primary healthcare service providers. This has a potential of duplication of services by the different primary healthcare providers. We are almost finished the honorable chairperson. Our next concern is a loss of NHI fund accreditation by the healthcare service providers or a budget run out. Our interest is on section 39, subsection nine, which indicates that the NHA fund can withdraw or refuses to renew the accreditation of a healthcare service provider or a health establishment. And our concern here is that workers in public sector in particular will still regard themselves as public servants with guaranteed jobs. What happens when the accreditation of the health establishment is withdrawn or when the NHI budget runs out? The bill must be clear on this. The PPF recommends the bill to consider conditional rehabilitation of the, prov of the providers back into the system when the appeals process is completed. And our, 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 our last concern, uh, Honorable Chair, is, is the role of, of, of un, un, unaccredited service providers. We refer to section five, subsection seven in the bill, which indicates that unaccredited health establishment whose particulars are published by the minister in the Gazette must on behalf of the fund maintain a register of all users containing such details as may be prescribed. The PPF recommends that the bill must be clear about the role of unaccredited service providers and health establishments, both private and public, during the implementation of NHI. 
And in conclusion, uh, Honorable Chairperson, the PPF appeals to the Health Parliamentary Portfolio Committee to consider the above comments and recommendations that has been presented on behalf of healthcare workers, academics, and other professionals who have made inputs in this submission. With all the current challenges facing the national healthcare system in the country, and as outlined in the Health Market Inquiry Report, we believe that the implementation of the national health insurance must happen and happen now. We appeal to the portfolio committee to take note of the following. NHI is not an event, but a process. NHI cannot happen overnight, but it shall happen over time. NHI is about addressing inequality in healthcare services and not about the free market concerns or satisfaction. Where there is change, there is always fear of the unknown, but change has to happen. COVID-19 pandemic has taught us that both public and private health sectors need each other in order to address the health needs of the population. On behalf of the Progressive Professionals Forum, we thank you, uh, honorable members, for the opportunities. I thank you. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Mukari. I don't know, are you a mister or a doctor? I am Dr. Mukari, Honorable Chairperson. Okay, thanks. Uh, can we then uh, request the members who have indicated their desire to interact with the, Dr. Mukari's presentation and the pre- presentation of all the Progressive Professional Forum inputs in the following order? And you'll correct me, I saw you indicating your challenges about going to clicks, Honorable Wilson. I wonder whether you are just informing us that you are back into the system or you want to ask a question. If you do, then you are the first one. Uh, Honorable Wilson, number one. Uh, Honorable Shengwa, I also saw you raising your hand, number two. Honorable Dr. Jacobs, you are number three. Honorable Ismail, you are number four. Honorable Munai, you are number five. Honorable Harvard, Dr. Harvard, you are number six. Uh, have I missed out anyone? Uh, in that order, uh, Honorable Wilson, Lengwa, Dr. Jacobs, Ismail, Munai, and Dr. Harvard. Thank you. Maybe Honorable Wilson was just indicating that she's at clicks trying to get vaccinated. Can we move to Honorable Shengwa? Honorable Shengwa was probably just chatting. Can we start with Honorable Dr. Jacobs? Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you very much to the PPF for the presentation. 
Now I noted uh, what was said by the presenter, Dr. Makari, on the uh, Office of Health Standards Compliance and the uh, Quality Improvement Plans, um, where he mentioned that the OHSC would have had to accredit all of the facilities by the time that the NHI is implemented. But he also earlier mentioned something that I, I thought he were, they were proposing as the PPF, that Parliament must take a serious view of resourcing the OHSC, including on its funding, so that it can work in earnest to prepare the facilities for the NHI. So I thought he was saying those two things uh, together. I have a question which uh, asks uh, whether uh, what the view of the PPF is on quality improvement plans, um, as he had now uh, given it to us in the manner that he had, but with relation to the relevant located to provinces to improve quality. Is it PPF's proposal that Parliament must pursue this objective? Thank you very much, Shippers. Next, uh, my question is the following Will the PPF find comfort if some of these issues pertaining to the guidelines should be included in the regulation, not in the legislation? Thank you, Honorable Evening, and thank you for the Honorable, Honorable Ismail. Honorable Ismail, we just cannot hear you. Please write down your question. We cannot hear you, Honorable Ismail. You just cannot come through. May we then have your question written down? Uh, Honorable Dr. Harvard. I called for your name, ma'am. I called for your name and you had no response, ma'am, when we jumped you. Thank you, Honorable Chair. My question is, what is PPF's view that traditional health practitioners are not adequately regulated? Thank you. Honorable Shengwa. Thank you, Chairperson. I have been on and off by my network. Thank you. I have one question to the PPF. Does the forum believe that the NHI will help the transform, will help to transform the medical profession and which skill in the medicine will benefit from transformation under the NHI. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Honorable Ismail, can you try again? Ismail is trying. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Chair. Can you hear me now, Chair? 
We don't know how long we can hear you if you continue. Continue, let's try and hear. Honorable Ishmael, Honorable Ishmael, write down your question. You cannot be heard. Write it down. Honorable Ishmael, write your question down. It cannot come through. Okay. May, may I add uh, on my side, you are alluding that uh, we need to reimburse primary health care practitioners. Uh, and that is, of course, a very important uh, a process, reimbursement strategy. Uh, what it is going to look like and all that. We do suggest that um, that be uh, actually visibly in the bill or you'd be comfortable to see the details thereof in the, in the regulations. Uh, I noticed that uh, Honorable um, Ishmael is trying to write down on the chat group. Uh, mentioned complaints right if you could just read it for you i think this is the one that was meant for uh, good evening and thank you for your presentation you mentioned compliance and registration by the office of the health standard complaint uh, is this relevant to this one now or was it on the one before right it is relevant, Chair. It is relevant. Oh, relevant to the to the PPF. Yes. Okay. Let me then read it. Thank you. All right. Let me read for you, Ismail. We can hardly hear you. Uh, PPF. You mentioned compliance and registration. Uh, let me see what I'm all them and registration by the Office of the Health Standard Compliance. Now, presently, the Office of the Health Standard Compliance is unable to monitor even 20% of facilities, in your opinion. How could this impede compliance and the handling of complaints? I don't know, because it came before. Anyway, if it is relevant for now, what's your opinion of the NHI pilot projects? Three, you mentioned time frames. Do you feel the NHI should be implemented in a phased-in manner? Uh, I've had these questions asked by Honorable uh, Ismail in another presentation. If you then say they are relevant here now, then so be it. Yeah. That is the last. Any other member who has been left out to be answered the questions? Any? None. Can we get your responses, uh, PPF? Thank you, Honorable uh, Chairperson. I will answer the questions uh, where I can. Uh, as we have been introduced, I am not alone. I am accompanied by uh, three other members of the PPF. 
so they will be able to also take some questions or make additions in answering the questions that has been raised by the honorable members. I just want to, 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 to re re request my apologies, honorable chairperson, that while I was taking questions, some of the honorable members' name, I wasn't able to, to pick up, but I was able to pick up their questions. So I'll, I'll, I will I'll request their indulgence if I'm not in a position to mention them by name, and I, I, I sincerely apologize. The, the, the first question, uh, honorable uh, uh, chairperson, has been raised by honorable Dr. Jacobs. It's about the National Quality Improve, Improvement Plan and, and, and how that can improve quality in, in different provinces. Our view, uh, Honorable Chairperson, is that the national, the, the, national improve, the national quality improvement plan is the foundation, is the basic foundation in terms of preparations for the implementation of the NHI. Because that speaks to like even auditing the current state of the current facilities, in particular, the current state of public health facilities, but not taking out the current state of the private healthcare facilities as well. Our view is that this national, this national quality improvement plan should be implemented from the local government level to the provincial level in the public sector so that so that facility, we are able to know the, the state of where we are now in terms of uh, 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 after it has been measured by the Office of the Health uh, Compliance Standard. Different facilities will obviously, uh, 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 after an assessment or inspection, they will, they will achieve different results in terms of preparedness. But that will be able to assist at local government level or provincial level for management at those levels to be able to know what they have to do to be able to make ensure that those facilities upgrade or improve their level of assessment. Our understanding is that after an assessment by the Office of Compliance Standard, a report will be given and the score will be given. And what will be the responsibility of management will be a program of action that, okay, assessment has been done, we have been given a score of 30% as an example. It means that what needs to be done to improve our, our level into maybe 80% and above. So a program of action should then be embarked on. So indeed, it can be the responsibility of a committee like this one as an oversight to say at all levels, let it start now. Let's not, the National Quality Improvement Plan cannot start after the, the bill has been has been enacted. It has to start now because when it becomes law, the NHI, NHI fund will then need to accredit facilities, but those facilities must have been certified. And before certification, the process of that of, of quality improvement plan has to take place. So it is our submission indeed that the, um, uh, uh, that office of the OHSC is strengthened because it is now the foundation and it is the beginning of the implementation of the NHI. That is the, 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 the first question, uh, honorable uh, uh, chairperson in terms of the quality improvement plan, that it is 
to be to be consolidated and strengthened at this phase of the of the of the process. The next question, Honorable Chairperson, I cannot remember the Honorable Member. Is is uh, about the. Uh, whether the PPF will find comfort if its submission has to be included in the regulations and not in the bill. And uh, it's, it, it is our, our submission that, uh, uh, even in our submission, Honorable Chairperson, that if our concerns can be included in the regulations, we will think that we will appreciate that as PPF. And 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 then and then and the next question, uh, honourable chair, is the PPS view that traditional healers are not adequately in, included. Indeed, when we go through the bill, uh, honourable chairperson, we can see the services that will be covered by the contracting unit, which are, are basic health services, and and also what it will comprise of, which does not indicate uh, uh, or include. Uh, traditional uh, medicines practitioners or traditional healers. And the next question, uh, uh, Honorable uh, Chairperson, has been raised by uh, Honorable Slengwa. The question is, will NHI transform the medical profession? Our view is that it will certainly transform the medical profession from the way we 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 know we we know it now. One of the aspects that we have picked up in the in the in the in the in the, in the draft bill is about the, the 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 requirement for the accreditation for for healthcare service providers, for the primary healthcare practitioners. That number one, it, it indicates that they will have to comply with a certain number of of. Of, 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 of providers that must be included, and also the mix of professionals. That in itself will transform the medical profession that instead of the current solo practices, they will have to transform themselves into a more of working as a collective of different disciplines, uh, 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 working together to provide uh, services. Then the next question, uh, uh, honorable, honorable Chair, is came from uh, uh, Honorable Ishmael, which, which speaks about the, the Office of the Health, uh, Health Standards Compliance that at the moment is not able to monitor even 20% of, of, of the healthcare facilities. We, we share that view, and it's our submission strongly, uh, uh, Honorable Chairperson, that that body should be strengthened because whether it's private healthcare sector or public healthcare sector, the beginning of them making an assessment of themselves, whether they will be ready for NHI, begins with that office. That office is the one that will go measure and do inspections and give a report in terms of preparedness and recommendations of what needs to be done for them to be compliant. So we agree that at the moment uh, uh, that, that, that office is, is not as strong as it's supposed to be, but because of the, of, of the implementation of the NHI, it's our submission that it must be strengthened. Uh, uh, the NHI, our comment on NHI 
pilot uh, uh, projects. Uh, Honorable uh, Ishmael, is that uh, we, we, we know that uh, uh, in, the, uh, in the earlier phases of the implementation pilot projects were undertaken, and we hope that the Department of Health had learned lessons from those uh, pilot projects. And in terms of timeframes and phase in, and we, be, we believe certainly the constitution of the country, section 27.2, is also clear on that, is that implementation of the NHI should be progress, is a progressive realization that it's not an event that can happen. It's a process that it should be phased in based on number one, uh, uh, the, the, the preparedness of the facilities in terms of compliance with the requirements of the Office of Health Standard Compliance. That is first and foremost. So our belief is that when NHI fund has, is established, then those facilities that will be incompliant, then it can be progressively accredited those that are ready and implement the policy progressively. I would like to give an opportunity to some of my, my, my colleagues if they want to add. Thank you, uh, Honorable Chair. They will have about two, two, and two three minutes to wrap up. Yes. Okay. Um, thank you, Chairman, um, Dr. Satera. So I just wanted to um, add um, to what my colleague has said about um, question that was raised by Honorable Harvard about traditional healers. So the question here is not even about should we include them or not. They should be included because in South Africa, they form an integral part of primary health care. Um, so um, being, um, having been studied also in China, I recognized and realized that they have your Western medicine hospitals, and even next to that, they have your traditional hospitals, um, acupuncturists, herbalists, they actually have their own hospitals. So this is something that can be done, uh, but I agree that even though they don't have regulations or much regulated at the moment, they should be included in the NHI because a lot of our, our population for most ailments, even now with COVID, you will find a, 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 a significant portion of our population going the herbal route in, in, in treating themselves in a home setting, be it steaming, be it herbal um, linganga or whatever you, you might call it. I just don't know it in English. So they, they should be a space for that. The second one is from um, Honorable Klemwa. Um, I just want to add um, to the question she raised with, how will this transform NHI transform medicine or the skill? For me, a part that should transform is in Gauteng, having worked in um, uh, Krasani Barra uh, till last year, it will help a lot to go back to making primary healthcare the most important. Because if your level one or level two do not work, those systems don't work, you're actually overburdening a level three or a tertiary institution. This is working very well in um, uh, Cape Town uh, because you cannot just rock up in Khoteskir and say that you want to be seen for a headache, but you can do that in Barra. You can come, you know, I've got a backache, I've just walked from uh, Deep Roof and I just walk into Barra and you'll not be turned away. So if our primary healthcare services can work in Gauteng, that would help a lot. So for me, that will actually change that. And if we can go back to nursing being a pivotal part of it, opening up the colleges uh, uh, for for for, for, for teaching for nurses to get more nurses so that we can improve the strength of our primary health care. So that would, that's what I would actually add to uh, those two questions. Thank you very much.
ใช่ไหมโอเคโอเค thank you very much honorable members we have come to the end of our of our session with the questions uh, maybe before we close let's give an opportunity to uh, one of the leaders Dr Mukari or anybody who would like to make their closing comments uh, thank you chair I think that, that in conclusion, what we want to emphasize to the portfolio committee and to the African public at large, and the NHR is not an event. In fact, if you look at when NHR was implemented in the UK, it was implemented just after the Second World War, when of course the economy was in doldrums. But yet they started that process. Firstly, secondly, we cannot expect that our public health system would be NHR ready tomorrow. It is a process. Thirdly. And I think this is maybe what also got lost in what Dr. Kenneth Jacobs asked: is that when we speak about NHI and we speak about the Department of Health, there must be a partnership between it and, for example, Public Works. In that, Public Works must get the our public health facilities ready for when NHI is being implemented. And as we said and we repeatedly say, NHI will be a process over the next decade or so. We don't expect us to be ready. But I think what we must come to together is both the public and private sectors to galvanize in order to ensure that the poorest amongst us, the weakest amongst us, the most vulnerable amongst us, are guaranteed the same health that people like us, the so-called intelligentsia, the middle class professionals and entrepreneurs, that they experience the same health, quality of life um, that we as South Africans demand and which our constitution, in fact. Demands of us and of you, our elected representatives sitting in Parliament. So we thank you for the opportunity. We have made the recommendations. If you have any other further questions, we are readily available to assist you in that regard. That is the work of the PPF to partner with the public sector in order to ensure that the citizens of South Africa achieve their dreams, and we assist them in achieving their dreams. In this particular instance, quality healthcare. Thank you, Chairperson. Okay. We would like to also, on behalf of the committee, thank you for uh, coming in to share with us your uh, points, comments in regards to this. Uh, I think we are fortunate as a portfolio committee because we get a, a vast number of people who are coming in to help us to understand uh, what uh, you're thinking. Uh, our closing uh, sort of uh, what comes into my mind as we close this session is that you are saying. Uh, it's not an event that we are engaged into, but number two, we are saying there are certain countries in the world that have gone the route that we are attempting to go through, and thirdly, some of them were in the worst situations, but they said nevertheless, let us start. So you are actually uh, assisting us to look into those lessons of those countries that we are referring to. Uh, it will assist us. To to refine our contributions as we go forward. With that, I would like to thank you all, much, all of you for coming in to share with us as PPF. But I want to endlessly thank our portfolio committee members who have sat on these past two days from nine o'clock in the morning right until about uh, half past seven yesterday. And today we are breaking a bit early, if you call six o'clock early. Thank you very much, honorable members, for your participation and your very robust engagement in clarity-seeking questions. We now adjourn this meeting until some other time. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Thank you, Chair.
Thank you, Thank you, Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Long day. Good night, everyone. Thank you, Chair. Makela, thank you. Hey, Maslengwa, how are you? I'm fine, and you? Good, good. Thank you very much. I can't see your hair, your face though, but it's uh, nice. There you we go. There yes. we go. Yes, long time no see. Long time, long time, but I'm all right. I'm okay. Oh, very good, Maslengwa. Nice to see you. Stay thank safe. You very- same to you. Keep safe. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>